0: It is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. I've been thinking it's Friday all day. It's not. A good Thursday to you, BJ Bennett, alongside Ben Troop, Cam Mursery as well. And we have a lot to get to. Uh, Lomas Brown, recently inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, former Gator star, NFL star. I think now's on the Detroit Lions radio network. We'll chat with him in just a little bit. Really looking forward to that conversation. Also, Dustin Poirier, uh, the number one contender in the in in the UFC. Uh, fighting for the lightweight belt on Saturday night in Vegas against Charles Oliveira. He will join us coming up a little bit later. Looking forward to that. That uh, you can get on ESPN+. Plus. So keep that in mind for Saturday night. But you're talking about a guy that is in the top five in the UFC in pound-for-pound rankings, is the number one contender, is going for the belt. So really looking forward to that conversation. We'll have it just a little bit. Got some bowl trivia for later in the show as well. Again, we are glad to be with you. Tweet at us, at Pigskin Radio. Kevin getting ready for some uh, football play-by-play, BC, for the state championship tomorrow. So he will not be with us uh, today or tomorrow, but uh, for a good reason. Getting ready to call the state championship in Atlanta as uh, Benedictine takes on Carver of Columbus. But we're going to do something, Ben, we rarely do and that is open the show talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? And normally there's not a lot to talk about, just being honest. You, you had a win last year. You got a couple wins this year. But there's been a development that I wanted to get your thoughts on where, and you guys talked about it earlier in the week, I think, but James Robinson, who was a star for the Jaguars a year ago, had over 1,000 yards as an undrafted rookie out of Illinois State. Uh, he's really not been featured this year for Jacksonville. And when you go back to the beginning of the season – especially with Travis Etienne's injury, you thought, okay, rookie quarterback, uh, new coaching staff, you're probably going to rely on the on the running back, your star James Robinson. That has not happened. And you've seen some, some fumbles from James Robinson, and I think that has been uh, at, at least part of the reason for why he hasn't seen the field. There, there, there seems to be kind of an inexplicable uh, lack of playing time for him. And you actually had some comments recently – made by Trevor Lawrence. And I want to read these for you. This is from Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence uh, about James Robinson. And James Robinson, for a point of reference, in the Jaguars' last two games, was held off the field for 16 consecutive plays, and then in the next game, 20 consecutive plays. And Trevor Lawrence said, quote, in my eyes, obviously I'm the one Uh, that's out, see all the pieces moving. I see the whole picture. Bottom line is James is one of our best players, and he's got to be on the field. And we addressed it. I feel like we're in a good spot. And the whole team, we're good. Whatever may have happened, I honestly don't know everything that went into it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the game and stuff, and... I really don't get into that in terms of coaching decisions, but I know and I voice my opinion. James is one of our best players, and he's got to be in the game. I think we're all on the same page. There's no confusion there. We're going to move forward. I know James is a hell of a player, so I want him out there, end quote. Now, you have had a couple of fumbles, but I think what was confusing to a lot of Jacks fans is uh, recently Robinson was benched in the last game for a fumble. You brought in Carlos Hyde. He fumbled. Now, Carlos Hyde has been a good player in the league for a long time. He's a veteran, but just, Ben, a couple of thoughts. Um, should the Jags, even if there have been some fumbles, be playing James Robinson more? And what are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence coming out and saying – we have to have this guy on the field.
1: Yes, they should be playing James Robinson more. I think BJ going back to the draft, Travis Etienne going out kind of shows you who they want to be the future back. Carlos Hyde, a guy they got in free agency, so they're they're going they're going with the veteran guy over the you know over the second guy because of money, not necessarily because of play. But I will say this because of Trevor Lawrence, he keeps on showing why he is worth going out there, running out there on the field with. It goes back to when he was hurt, he has to come back in the game. Now he's it's one thing to say it to James, it's nothing to say it to to each other. It's a whole different. It's a whole different ball game when you stand it to the media because the thing is, Trevor said, "Look, I'm not. I'm, I'm just as shocked as y'all. Mistakes happen in football. Fumbles happen in football. Interceptions happen in football. Blown coverages and missed tackles and missed kicks and so on and so forth. But taking a guy off the field for 16 straight plays, 20 straight plays, how is he gonna stay warm to even go out there and make plays? So sometimes that could be." B.J. just a result of just not being in the game, not having that rhythm of the game. I, I can appreciate what Trevor Lawrence did. Let me say this. Trevor Lawrence did not call out the coaches. Trevor Lawrence stated the obvious. Why isn't he playing? And I can tell you what what really happened. If Trevor Lawrence is going to the O.C. and Urban Meyer and asking them behind the scenes, they're they, they giving him that, quote, coach speak, he said, all right. If y'all made me the face, I mean – I'm gonna go out there and ask. I'm I'm gonna put it on the media to get to ask you guys because I'm like you, BJ. Your best player's supposed to be on the field. Yeah, I don't get it. He's he's one of your best eleven, by far. That doesn't mean that Carlos Hyde can't come in to provide some quality touches, some quality minutes. But when James Robinson is not being featured, and you're losing games, and you go back to the rushing stats, and Carlos and then Carlos Hyde has more rushing. St- I mean, more rushing attempts. uh you know, uh, then, uh, then James Robinson, and that's, and that's because of the fact that you're trying to, you know, uh, listen, this ain't the time to be setting examples and trying to get guys to understand we're in the pros. Situations happen. We are a very, very young team trying to figure out how to win and win consistently in the National Football League. What 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 type of picture does it paint for the other guys on the team when you're saying, oh, because a guy made a mistake, you're not going to play him? We're very, very young. It's not like we got a lot of uh, healthy bodies to go around. No, we don't have a lot of productive bodies to even put in the game. So I I – I couldn't applaud Trevor Lawrence more. Trevor Lawrence knows. Look, I'm gonna put it on me. I'm the face of this franchise, even though I'm a rookie. If anybody gonna take the scrutiny, I'm gonna take it. And that's not me being malicious. That's not me being unprofessional. That's me showing common sense and showing some love and respect to my team by saying, "Look, man, I'm gonna go to bat for you. You a second year guy that was not drafted. You don't have as much leverage as I do. So let me go to bat for you. That way, if if if, the, if it does come, it's gonna come down on me. Those are the type of players you want to play with." Trevor Lawrence is saying, "Listen, too much is given, much is required. I can deal with what comes with it, but I'm not calling out these coaches. I'm saying, what are you guys doing as a coach and staff when you're not playing your best player? I am not your best player. I am, I am, the, I am the face of the franchise. James Robinson, a thousand-yard rusher as a undrafted rookie, and you and you drafted the guy in the first round. You gotta." You got a form of uh, first or second round pick, you know, uh, in free agency, in a guy like Carlos Hyde. So yes, I applaud Trevor Lawrence for saying, "Let the heat come on me." James ain't had nothing to do with. I will speak for him.
0: Yeah, I like it too, and I think it does show a leadership that you would expect out of a guy that you draft number one overall to be the face of your franchise. Because what Trevor Lawrence is saying is what every Jags fan. Aren't many of us left, but. All of us are saying this. Why is James Robinson not out there? What's going on? And like you said, James can't come out and say that. I mean, when you're the star quarterback, you have a little more leeway with what you can do. And, and he didn't disrespect anybody yeah, yeah. or come out and say, I don't understand what Coach X or Coach Y is doing. He came out and said, I'm out there. I see what we need. We need him. We need him. And I, I like it. Look, Jacksonville is trying to learn how to win. Jacksonville is trying to learn how to be consistent, be cohesive, have accountability, you know, look at where you need to improve and then actually improve. I like this from Trevor Lawrence. And look, Trevor's still learning. We were talking about his stats yesterday. It has not been a tremendous rookie season for Trevor Lawrence, but I think he is developing in a way that affirms the vision of him being the guy, being the face of the franchise, but you got to get James Robinson out there, and I just thought that was interesting because you don't see that a ton, and I don't know that if you give James Robinson 18, 22 touches a game that you're all of a sudden in the playoff hunt, but you made a great point that I agree with. Trevor Lawrence is not Jacksonville's best player. On You know, it's probably Josh Allen or Miles Jack, but on offense, it's James Robinson. And if he has a fumble, I get it. If he has a couple of fumbles, I get it. But you got to get him back out there. And I know it's been really difficult for fans in Jacksonville. And this has become, needless to say, a talking point around the National Football League. You're looking going, Urban Meyer, like what? What what are we doing here? James Robinson needs touches, and right now he is 19th in the NFL in rushing attempts. And when you consider that Jacksonville's pass blocking is not great, uh, you've had obviously injuries at the wide receiver position. DJ Shark out for the year. Rookie quarterback. The best way to kind of insulate yourself from some of that is to line up and give it to the give it to the guy who was had an all-pro, or not all-pro, pro-bowl type season a year ago. And a guy that has that type of ability, I, I, now I'll be interested to see what happens in the next game for Jacksonville, Ben. Now that Trevor Lawrence has come out and offered his two cents on this subject, do we see James Robinson get more touches?
1: You hope so? And let's, and let's, let's put something else out there. Urban Meyer and the offensive coaching staff. I mean, depending on if they're coming from college or not, James Robinson has more cliche, has more cachet than these coaches, some of them. And, listen, you never ever – it's a hierarchy. You you never ever – He's uh, James Robinson is going to be very, very professional. But, BJ, I think when you start talking about the National Football League, this ain't a, this ain't a teach him a lesson type league. Put your best guys on the field. Trevor Lawrence is showing, look, man, I'm not just a leader because I'm the number one overall pick and I'm the starting QP. I'm going to go to bat for my teammates. These are the guys I want to go out there and play with. James Robinson, he's durable. He's available. He's productive. He made a fumble. So – I, I you know, I can't say enough about what Trevor Lawrence is doing. And in a sense, he's also showing Urban Meyer, dude, you, you're not going to win by not having this guy on the field. We're losing, and he's on the sideline, and he's not hurt. That, That's not a winning recipe for football, BJ. But you know, just like I know, when it comes to situations like this, it's a learning curve. Learning curve for Urban Meyer, learning curve for that coaching staff, learning curve for that organization. But if you are a Trevor Lawrence fan, you realize one thing, he's not a front runner. Trevor Lawrence has never lost until this year. He's never lost a regular season game until right now. And people thought, how will he handle it? Trevor Lawrence is going to do two things. One, he's definitely the guy for the future. two, he's not going to break Peyton Manning's record for most interceptions in the league as a rookie. He's not going to do that. doesn't mean that he ain't out there trying. But, but what I look for in a teammate first is how do you care about your teammates around you? And you, it doesn't get much better than a guy who's a number one overall pick going to bat for an undrafted free agent who, let's face it, if, Trevor Long, if, if Travis Etienne is healthy, if James Robinson even still on the team? He's still being productive. But shout out to Trevor Lawrence for speaking on behalf of his teammate.
0: Years ago when I went to Jaguar games, uh, they used to have shirts that would say, Run MJD. You know, you want to get Maurice Jones through. Yes. The ball and, and I think I think J Rob uh, in that same position you gotta you gotta give him the ball and I'll be interested to see what happens moving forward. B J Bennett Ben Troop here with you. We have a busy show. We're gonna talk a lot of college football today. Needless to say, uh, we will have bowl trivia. Cam, you're gonna get involved in this. So this is gonna be it's gonna be fascinating later in the show. And it's it, it's kind of it's kind of Kevin inspired. So it's, it's a Kevin-inspired bowl trivia contest, so we'll get into that. Some interesting comments from uh, a Power 5 athletic director about the future of college football I want to get into as well, but when we come back, we'll chat with a college football legend, Lomas Brown in the College Football Hall of Fame, former Gator great NFL star. He will join us. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Troop here with you three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network glad to be spending this afternoon with you and a lot to get to Uh, we will chat coming up in just a little bit with Dustin Poirier as he gets ready for uh, UFC 269 coming up on Saturday the number one contender and he's taking on Oliveira for the for the lightweight belt so we'll chat with him coming up in just a bit but with us now a college football legend one of the all-time great linemen in SEC history uh, recently inducted into the college football hall of fame the great Lomas Brown Lomas good afternoon how are you I'm doing great. How are you
2: guys doing today?
0: Doing wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on, and I know a part of the 2020 College Football Hall of Fame class, you have the uh, induction ceremony recently uh, because of COVID, had to move all that back, but uh, College Football Hall of Famer, when you think about your career, you think about everything that you've accomplished, you think about this milestone, what stands out to you? Wow. Um, You know, for me it's the guys that I played with. It it really is. It's
2: it's the guys on the Great Wall of Florida that I played with, Billy Henson, and Phil Bromley, Jeff Zimmerman, and Crawford Kerr. You know, those guys helped me achieve some of my goals. And, you know, just being in the locker room with a lot of those guys, just thinking about the fun that we had and just being a kid again. You know, being, being 19, 20 years old on a college campus and everything that went along with that, man, they kind of just brought back all those memories along with the sacrifice that you have to make being a student athlete, you know, and the sacrifice that you put your body through. So it's just so many memories that run through my head when I think about uh, going into the College Hall of Fame and all the people that helped me get there.
1: And Lomas, I mean, uh, when you think about the fact that when you know you you know you go through college and you just want to be the best player you can, you want to be the best player you can for your team and against the guys you go up against. But when you hear your name is a part of a college football greatness and you on that stage, what is it like standing on that stage and all eyes on you and you got to you know kind of have that uh, kind of have that speech ready to go? I
2: know, man. Hey, look, I I was like a little kid, man, because. Like you saying, man, it was just legends up there, man. Keith Byers, Eric Dickinson, you know, all just great players. Uh, Peyton and Archie Manning and uh, Archie Griffin, just all those guys that I either played against, the guys that I watched play, you know, just guys you just you, you want to emulate their game because they were just so good with what they did. You know, just to be in the room full of people like that, and to be up on the stage with them, and to get honored, and go into the induction at the same time as some of them, or to be in the footsteps of a lot of those guys—it's. I'm telling you, it's humbling. It really is, man. It's like I say, I was like a kid in a candy store, man. Just I'm looking at Lynn Swan and Coach Steve Spurrier, and just you know all Stoops, just everybody, man. It's just like the Who's Who of sports legends
0: were there. We're chatting with uh, the great Lomas Brown here on Three and Out College Football Hall of Famer, and I know, Ben, you've talked a lot about your draft class, the guys you came into the league with, or the guys you came to Florida with. Is there a camaraderie, you mentioned Lomas there, with uh, the guys that you go into the Hall of Fame with, just to be a part of that history, yes, but also be a part of that history together?
2: Yeah, it really is. I mean, again, man. You know the great Eric Dickinson, a guy that's in the high school, college, and pro football Hall of Fame. That I want to go at. You know, um, you know, like I said, Keith Byers, and you know this Michael Westbrook, and just all the guys that have phenomenal plays or left their mark or their history on the game of football. Yeah, man. When you sit back and think about those guys. You know, and then you have the opportunity to meet those guys and spend time with them and talk to them. And you just kind of see that common thread, which is, you know, that competitiveness. You know, what drove those guys, you know, and a lot of times they say family. And that's the truth, too, because I know that's what drove me while I was out on the field was always want to look good in front of your family or you want to be the one that can support your family uh, by going to the pros or whatever you have to do to make your family proud of you and that's what I think that was the common thread between all those guys in there but you're right it's something I'll never forget and now I'll always be involved with the class of 2020 and those are my brother
1: when you get to college you want to do the best you can as as I stated before but we a lot of uh, those that were, of, of us who were blessed enough to be able to play uh, big time college football. You got moments, you got memories, but most of us will fade away. You you being a Hall of but that's saying no Lomas. You're gonna live on forever because at the end of the day, there are linemen and then there are guys who kind of changed the way I played with Max Starks and I played with Shannon Sand. Those guys and I used to hear our, our offensive line coach talking about, "Listen, man, I need you to look more like Lomas today and not like not like Lomas brother today." So you you have a legacy. Even when I was at Florida, that those guys were trying to live up to it. But to know it's one thing to have that conversation, Lomas, with your family members, and 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 uh, and uh, I've heard players say the, be- the older we get, the better we were when we played. It's another thing when you get in the call. They saying, "Hey, Lomas, congratulations! You are part of the 2020 College Football Hall of Fame class."
2: Yeah, that's the truth too. You're right about that, Ben. Because look, I was just at the the Lions. We just had our alumni day, and look. I'm telling guys in that look, man. I blocked three guys on one play and beat Barry to the end zone. So you're right, man. The older you get, the better you were. So, <laughs> and, and and it's fun though. It's fun reliving those memories. You know, it's fun connecting that way. You know, we all need that, man. And it's just nice when you get around a group of common like guys, and you know, and you're able to share memories with those guys in the course. Like you say, man, just family. Families, everything. To you, families would drive us. And I know, Ben. I feel this way, man. Some of the most precious times that I miss was in the locker room. You know, hanging out in the locker room with the fellas and everything, and what went on in the locker room, and just everything that's associated with the great game of football.
0: We're chatting with former Florida great Lomas Brown, a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, kind enough to join us for a few minutes. And uh, switching gears, you have a new head football coach of the Gators, Billy Napier, comes in from Louisiana where he had a lot of success. Uh, I know putting the staff together as we speak. But uh, what are your thoughts on on the new hire? Obviously the Dan Mullen era didn't finish the way people wanted, but now you bring in Billy Napier and a uh, new direction for the Gators. Yeah,
2: I think a hard-working guy because you know, man – Start on those lower levels, you have to work harder than guys, you know, in the D1 level or, 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 I'm sorry, you know, in the Power 5 because you're just not a school that attracts the names that the Floridas and the the Power 5 schools do. So you have to work a lot harder. You have to work a lot lot harder with less. Um, And when I say less, too, less talent, but you're talking about less money to work with, less support to work with. So you have to put in your time. You have to work really hard. And that's what Coach Napier done. did. He, he's done that. He's put in the time. His staff has put in the time. They've done the recruiting. They brought in the players that they needed to bring in for their program. Now he gets the opportunity to come to a University of Florida where he's had. He'll have all the resources that he needs to go out there and recruit some of the top talent. And that's where we got to get back to Um, as a university. We got to get back to getting those top-ranked guys out to the state of Florida, man. Those guys can't be going out of the state of Florida or they can't be going to our rivals. They need to be coming back to the University of Florida. And I think we just have so much more. Even if I talk about state schools, we have so much more to offer because we're in the SEC. We're in the best conference in America hands down. Down, and if you want to get a simple, uh, uh, just a little sample of how the NFL is, go play in the in the SEC, and that you'll get a small sample of what you're getting ready for when you go to the next
1: level. And Lomas, when you think about Billy Napier, him, like you said, coming coming from where he came from, being on that uh, Alabama staff, being on that Clemson staff, you see, you look at what he's done uh, in his four years there. You know, uh, you know with Louisiana, but how much easier is life on him? As you mentioned, you you taking care of the state, and you getting those guys with four and five stars next to their name. It makes it easier to go out there and implement your system.
2: Absolutely. I mean, look, I can't wait for them to get through with that facility they're building on campus right now. I mean, things like that, man, state-of-art facility that's getting built right now on campus. Like you said, being in the best conference in America, getting a shot at playing for national championships getting a shot to play on big-time TV every other weekend or every weekend, getting the opportunity to go up against the best guys, you know, in the country, and, and therefore getting your opportunity to get in the spotlight. I mean, those are opportunities, and if you take advantage of those opportunities, they could take you a long way, and that's what Florida gives you, and that's all that if you're a competitive guy, That's all you can ask for is the opportunity. So I'm glad that Coach Napier is going to have that. I'm glad he has the resources that he's going to need to go out and get these guys. And I think he's going to be a great coach, a great addition for the University of Florida and get us to where we're trying to get, which is to beat Alabama, man. Because, bro, it's just like every year they're up in this thing. So they seem like the – and they are – they're the class of the, of the SEC right now, and they're the big boys. They're the big brothers to us, little brothers. So we, somebody got to knock them off, and, you know, we'll
0: see. We'll see. Great perspective from Hall of Famer Lomas Brown here on 3 and Out. Before we let you go, uh, you mentioned you're with the Detroit Lions radio network. Uh, got the win on Sunday over Minnesota. Got it in dramatic fashion. I know it's been a tough season for the Lions, but how nice was that to get that win and uh, get it in a, in, in a highlight way like that?
2: Oh, Lord knows we needed that win. My goodness, man. Hey, look, you especially when you're doing radio and, you know, it gets to a point where you look down there, man, and you see all the fans leaving out the stadium. You be wanting to leave out the stadium sometime, man. So it, it's been rough, but that victory, man, it felt good. It feels good for us, man, because you always want to talk positive about your team. You always want to talk positive about the players. And we know, man, winning, man, that cures everything. So I'm so happy for Dan Campbell. We played together two years when, we were, when I was with the New York Giants. So I'm definitely rooting for him. I think he has a very good coaching staff because it's full of ex-NFL players. Um, on that coaching style, so they play hard for Dan and that's what they did and they were able to play hard 60 minutes this last game and get the victory so hopefully man hopefully this weekend in Denver we could get number two because it feels good calling the wind and the loss
0: and Detroit will be in Atlanta the day after Christmas as well the great Lomas Brown Florida legend here with us on three and out Lomas congratulations again thank you so much
2: absolutely you guys take care
0: Ben, another Florida Gator in the College Football Hall of Fame, Lomas Brown. Wonderful perspective from him, and I think you told me yesterday what twelve Gators now in the Hall of Fame. But you're talking about one of the great linemen to ever play. I love when linemen get their you know get their due respect. Yeah. And uh, uh, had to put the induction ceremony on hold a year ago. Lomas part of the 2020 class, but they had 2020 and 2021 together, and now uh, in there as a Hall of Famer.
1: Lomas is one of the best to ever do it. Uh, back in my time in Florida, 2000, 2003, they used to talk about him all the time. It's just like being the standard, uh, you know, blocking. I mean, BJ, I mean, listen, got a chance to block for Barry Sanders in the National Football No, 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 league. not only that. He said he beat him to the end zone. I mean, yeah, I mean block, listen, block three guys and beat Barry to the end zone. But, no, I couldn't happen to a better dude. Lomas is one of those guys. BJ, as we always talking about, I mean, we are uh, college football historians. It's one thing to be remembered. It's another thing to be cemented. That's that's forever. Listen, he will go down and here's just one of the greatest to ever do it. And I uh, couldn't happen to a better dude. Uh, super-duper happened for
0: him. The college football regular season not over. You have... Army-Navy this weekend up in New Jersey, always a very special game, uh, what it represents, what, what those student-athletes uh, uh, sacrifice, and, and I know it's a game that means a lot uh, to a number of people. I've, I've only seen my dad get emotional a couple of times in the history of his life. And uh, a few years ago when, when Army my dad uh, spent roughly 40 years in the Army. Uh, 35 years, when, when Army broke the streak against Navy, you saw some of that emotion. And and, and it, it's incredible uh, to to watch the student-athletes on the field, to see the servicemen and women there, to see the dignitaries there. I mean, it is such a just remarkable game. And, 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 and it deserves a showcase, a stand-alone showcase. Army-Navy's got to be on its own. You'll have the Heisman Trophy on Saturday night. But this is a Saturday that's all about Army-Navy. And this is a game, college football means – a lot to a lot of people, and every game has a national appeal. This game has an international appeal. You know, there are people all over the globe watching this game, and I know, uh, you know, Ben, we're fortunate enough to, to, you know, do a lot of work with uh, military men and women and their families, and I have a number of bases here locally, and uh, this is this is a game that's that's really special, and I'm looking forward to it. I think Army probably the favorite. Uh, Jeff Munkin's done a great job. Former Georgia Southern head coach Jeff Munkin. Army is eight and three, and they are already in the Armed Forces Bowl. They will play Missouri in the postseason, which should be a pretty good game there. But you look at their their resume: beat Georgia State in Atlanta uh, back in Week One, uh, beat Liberty in their last game with Malik Willis at quarterback, held them to just sixteen points. Uh, two of their three losses: Wake Forest and Wisconsin. No shame in that. Navy's three and eight, but I think if Navy has one of those days, they played Cincinnati down to the wire a couple of weeks ago, lost by seven. May have played Cincinnati the closest of anybody. So far in college football, but Army Navy, what it's all about, and really looking forward to Saturday.
1: The fact that uh, anytime you ask Army, you know, no matter at first game of the year, no game yet, preseason, off season, is always beat Navy. You ask Navy, it's beat Army. But BJ, it's seldom that you have a game that's far bigger than the game. It's going to be standing room only, and it just me it just it just means so much more to the people that you know are directly connected to both you know both of those uh you know both of those uh, you know Army or the Navy. But you look at the fact that BJ, you talking about guys for which. They're doing it for something bigger than football. These are guys that obviously love the game of football, but you know, in the armed forces, and they get a chance to go out there for one day, BJ. They get to put it all on the line. I mean, I look at it, I look at all the service men out, there, service men and women out there in their uniforms. A lot of push-ups being done, gonna be gonna be done on Saturday. But I do agree, BJ, a standalone game for some of the greatest among us. I mean, when you think about you know uh, playing for Army, playing for Navy, number one, these are you know, prestigious uh, pl- places to play, but. Because you're playing for something that's bigger than the game of football and it and, and make no mistake about it, once once they kick the ball up, it's hard hitting out there now. And it's four quarters, nobody gives up, gives in, but it, it's usually a really, really
0: good game. But BJ, you know, when you know, obviously Papa B, I know who you gonna be rooting for. I mean, bit Ben, when and I, I don't remember off the top of my head how many years ago it was, but my dad was in the military, my brother's still in still in the army. I know your brother, your dad served. It's a game that uh, just just stops everything. And my dad, this when, when Army broke the streak against Navy, Navy had won like 12 or 13 or 14 in a row or something like that, and Army was in a position to win. My dad couldn't even watch it. In the main part of the house he went out to the man cave and like nobody's supposed yeah. to go out there because it because it just means a lot and, and and you are right if you hear an interview with with jeff munkin or ken Matololo, it's go army beat navy go navy beat army and you hear a lot of fan bases say yeah i i you know i i just can't stand my rival and i would rather go one in eleven but beat my rival than go 11 and 1 and lose to my rival. And I'm like, would you really, like, Ben, you go back and forth with Georgia fans. Mm-hmm. Would you rather go 1 and 11 with a win over Georgia or 11 and 1 with a loss to Georgia? And don't lie. You know you'd rather go 11 of course, and 1. Of course
1: I'd rather go 11 and 1. But but BJ, you can't compare. But, but, but Army Navy's not that way. It's not. It's not. And you can't compare nothing to this. This is one of those things. Just imagine if your first game ever you ever watched in college football, BJ, was Army versus Navy. Then what if you grew up an Army brat? A Navy brat. And all of a sudden, you know, you you know, you're getting older and then you get a chance to get recruited by those schools, go play or what may have you for those you know, service academies. But I do think, BJ, when you start talking about what the game of football can do, why we love college football, well, you can love it on two fronts on Saturday. You can love the fact that you're talking about some of the greatest among us, you know, because these are people who are gonna be, you know, fighting for our freedoms and and going, you know, and going, you know, and going having to serve, but for one weekend, for one Saturday. And, and, and look, it doesn't matter. Good weather, bad weather. Snow, rain, sleet, yeah. however, they're on, out there. On and, the same and, and, team,
0: big picture, of course. Yeah. But on Saturday.
1: I, and and I, and I like that, too. The ultimate, the ultimate, the greatest form of sportsmanship is what you're going to see on Saturday. Before the game, like you said, BJ, it's it's pleasant pleasantries before the game. But as soon as they get in them tunnels, I mean, I, I like how they – and it's going to be standing room only. Ain't nobody going to be sitting down on Saturday. And the BJ, if Navy can make a game out of this thing – it's going to be even better, but I just think that when, there are seldom times in life you get a chance to see some of the best people to walk on this planet uh, playing a game that we love, and they get to go out there, you know, for four quarters. They get to, they get to see, you know, man on man, is, you know, made the best team win. But I do agree, BJ, when you start talking about what the game of football can do for a fan base, for for a love of the sport, I think on Saturday is probably the best you're going to see.
0: And you've had some local guys, you know, go on, uh, Shakir Robinson, yeah. Joey Bullen, Alex Herndon. I mean, a number of guys from the nine one two who've gone on to play in this series. Looking forward to it. Uh, big thanks to all of our military men and women and and, and their families. And the Saturday, the pageantry, the history, the tradition, what the rivalry represents. Uh, can't wait. So I wanted to spend a couple of minutes just talking about Army-Navy. The regular season, I know we're all looking ahead to the postseason and the awards ceremonies and the playoff. Make, make it a point to watch Army-Navy. Check out Army-Navy this weekend. We'll come back. Speaking of the awards, not the Heisman, but a number of the college football awards will be given out tonight. And woo, the name's up for the Bednarik Award, the best defensive player in college football. We'll get into that next award, given to college football's best defender, that uh, will be handed out tonight. And I think we know who the favorite is, but I want Ben, I want to get your thoughts one through four here, uh, because these are some really big names. the 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 four finalists for the Bednarik Award are Will Anderson, who a lot of people, I think rightfully so, feel like should be a Heisman Trophy finalist. He's got 31-and-a-half tackles for loss, uh, which puts him in an all-time context. He leads the nation in sacks, I think, with 15-and-a-half. Uh, you have Will Anderson from Alabama. Jordan Davis, of course, from Georgia, who everybody knows all about. Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, who some are saying could be a top-five pick. And think about it in your mind. We don't see a lot of top-five picks. It's safety. And then I know a guy that you and I have both like uh, since we met him a couple of years ago, have enjoyed watching him play. <clears throat> Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon who might be the number 1 overall pick in the upcoming draft. So, I think we probably all agree that Will Anderson's going to win the award should be in New York City for the Heisman Trophy presentation, but one through four, how would you slot this Anderson, Davis, Hamilton and Thibodeau?
1: Wow. I mean, uh Thibodeau is a, is a guy for me, BJ as you mentioned. We got a chance to meet him 3 years ago at uh you know at Florida State with uh coach Taggart, uh, you know uh, first game, you know at Florida State. I would, have, I would have him number four. I, th- I think uh while he's an incredible player, I mean, they, you know, he's one of those guys where, I mean, coming off that edge, BJ, I mean, he's about as good as he gets and he's super duper athletic. My number, my number three would be Kyle Hamilton. I mean, the kid is about as rangy as to get a sideline to sideline safety. I mean, BJ against Florida State. He made a play on the sideline. I mean, the guy was in the middle of the field when the ball was let go by the time he by the time he uh let it go, the guy was on the sideline picking it off. My number two is Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is the—he's the one that made that defense go. I'm not taking anything away from the Kobe Dean, you know, Nolan Smith and those guys, but Jordan Davis was the one that made it happen. But to me, it is Will Anderson in every major category. What else can you do? I led the to lead the it's nation absurd. in sacks. To lead the nation in sacks is already enough. Title for loss, BJ. Remember the time when Title for loss? Ten, right? Fifteen was a was a out of this world. Thirty. Let
0: me get this. Let me get the exact stats here on Andrew. And,
1: and 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 number one, they need to give this award to Will Anderson just for the simple fact that he's not going to be in New York as a Heisman Trophy finalist, which once again is absurd. It's ridiculous, and that's taking nothing away from the finalists who made. They should have added one more because Will Anderson did all you can do. I mean, leads when you say when well, somebody says I led the nation in sacks with all these guys, is in these wide open passing leagues and guys that just have incredible seasons, 15 and a half sacks, over 30 tackles for loss. What else can he do as far as like affecting the game? But yes, Will Anderson one, Jordan Davis two, Kyle Hamilton three, you know, and I think Kayvon Thibodeau is four. But I, but all four guys are definitely deserving. BJ and for Kyle Hamilton to, to get you know top five overall. Uh, you know, consider considerate his shoulders type of player he is,
0: and Anderson has thirty one and a half tackles for wow. loss. He also has nine quarterback hurries. Ridiculous. To go along with fifteen and a half sacks, and this is a guy that if Alabama plays two more games, I mean, could he get to thirty five tackles for loss? I mean, at the rate he's producing, he should be a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. And the young man out of Michigan has had Aiden Hutchinson has been great the last couple of weeks, had a dominant performance against Ohio State. He may be the number one overall pick in the draft. But I think with all due respect to everything he's done, I think it's been just a season of utter domination week to week from Will Anderson. And if you're only – now, I, I like what you said. You want to have all the guys there, five finalists? Maybe that's the way, the way to go. But if you felt like only one defender deserved to be there, I, I think Anderson was the right call. I do want to say this. I, I kind of feel bad for Jordan Davis because he has had a historic season. What George's defense did during the regular season, I know they weren't great on Saturday, but we're not talk, we're talking about the totality of a generationally great defense, and Davis has been the starting point. Davis has been the anchor. He's been the catalyst and doesn't have the huge tackle for lost numbers. But So folks understand, that's literally not his job. When you play the nose in a 3-4 defensive alignment, and, and, and I'm wading into waters that aren't necessary. So tell me if I'm wrong. When you play the nose in a 3-4 defense, your job is to eat up blockers. Yes. Your job is to demand attention. And the other guys around you get the sacks, the tackles for loss. And if you watch Georgia play, there is a immovable object, a force that you cannot counter at the point of attack, and it's Jordan Davis. And Georgia, statistically, has one of the greatest defenses college football has ever seen. I, I think nine years out of ten, Jordan Davis wins the Bednarik, and it's probably not even not even a competition. I, I, I'm with you. I think the way I would do it right now if I had a vote would be uh, Will Anderson won, Davis two, Hamilton three, and, and Thibodeau four. But I kind of feel bad for Jordan Davis that he might not get an award that otherwise would probably be right there for
1: him. Now, BJ, as far as, like, impact, I mean, Will Anderson, I mean, he was all over the quarterback hurries, tackles for loss, sacks. But as far as, like, impact, Jordan Davis is the most impactful for what he meant for the entirety of the defense, that B.J. set records in 2021. That's going to be very, very hard to break. I don't care who you are. And listen, Georgia's defense in the regular season was in class all of their own. Didn't give up more than 90 points all season. I think number two on that list might have been Clemson as far as, like, a total defense. But all these guys are deserving. Let me say this. Whenever you make a finalist list, you are deserving. So whatever guy, whatever name they call – all, every one of those guys are deserving. But I just think that when you talk about, you know, a talent like Hamilton, the side sideline to sideline, you know, tall, rangy. I mean, you talk about the fact that Thibodeau was a guy, BJ number one, I think number one recruiting the nation just three years ago and obviously chose Oregon over everybody. Jordan Davis, a guy who became, I mean, over the last four years, I mean, he just kept getting better and better and finally able to put it together. But Will Anderson, wow. I mean, if he just had the third and a half, well, over 30, over 30, uh, tackles for loss. That's enough. Then you add also led the nation, uh, in sacks. You're talking about the quarterback hers. So yes, BJ, I mean, any one of these guys are deserving. deserve it, but Will Anderson, I mean, what else can you do with the premier, uh, you know, uh, with the premier brand of football at Alabama, it's not easy. Listen, it's not easy to do these things at Alabama when you talk about the, the scrutiny and you know, how much, how much is, you know, how much is on the line, but Hey. Right now, BJ, it's Will Anderson one for me. Jordan Davis two. Hamilton three. And obviously, there Well, and
0: I do think Davis will win the Outland uh, Trophy tonight. That's a part of the uh, awards that are they're given out this evening. That's the most outstanding interior lineman. I think that one is clearly uh, Jordan Davis. There, I I think that's a win for him. But while we're talking about awards, two thousand three. You were a finalist for the uh, John Mackey Award. I know we were looking through the all-time Mackey Award winners list, and just incredible. But you're obviously a big part of that tradition.
1: Man, I, it was it was a blessing for me. I mean, when uh, Coach uh, Coach Duke told me that I was a finalist for it, and myself, Kellen Winslow, who ended up winning, and Chris Wilson out of pit. Uh, that yeah, it, it was it was it was uh, it was humbling, BJ. But listen, shout out to all the award winners tonight. Shout out, no, shout out to the finalists, because when you think about college football, to make it, you had BJ. You know when the season start, you got all these award lists, and then it dwindles down, dwindles down, dwindles down. But if you made, if you the award, if you only uh, a list, and you made, you are a finalist. Listen, make sure if you do go on that stage, you thank your teammates. You thank those those ten guys that was around you because you couldn't have did it without them. And, B.J., though, that's something to say, man. Once again, I know we were talking to Lomas Brown to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. To win one of these prestigious awards, that's forever as well because you you are definitely going to be uh, a part of some very, very unique company.
0: And B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop here with you. Glad to be with you. Three and out. Tweet at us at Pigskin Radio, at Pigskin Radio. We have a lot to get to here moving forward. Uh, Oliveira Port- Poirier, excuse me, coming up later. And we will chat with Dustin Poirier uh, as he gets ready to contend for the lightweight UFC Belt. He is the number one contender that fight available on ESPN Plus. Uh, in Las Vegas Saturday night, so we will chat with Dustin the Diamond uh, coming up in about forty-five minutes. We'll also talk about the future of college football. Uh, a lot of commentary out there about we've seen the transfer portal stuff, we've seen the big salaries, we've seen you know conference realignments. What what's next? Where does college football stand? And uh, I want to talk about Marcus Freeman as well at Notre Dame, the new head coach at Notre Dame, and uh, what he means for college football and uh, his his move to being a head coach of one of the biggest brands in the entire sport. So we are glad to be with you. Again, tweet at us at Pigskin Radio. We're going to have some bowl trivia later, which I am excited about. And I always love the trivia. when I. In about 30 minutes, number one contender for the lightweight belt in the UFC. You have UFC 269 coming up on Saturday. We'll chat with him in about 30 minutes. Also, we're going to have some bowl trivia. I'm excited about that, especially because I don't have to compete. I've, I've struggled recently in some of our contests. Ben, you've been on... A hot streak. We'll see if that can continue. And we'll talk about uh, UNC-80 Bubba Cunningham had some interesting thoughts about where he thinks college football is heading. We'll get into that. Tweet at us at Pigskin Radio, but we'll bring in Cam. Four o'clock, it's time to take three. All right, time to take three. Take one. Bill Belichick is now the odds-on favorite to
3: win the NFL Coach of the Year. Should he be ahead of the likes of Matt LaFleur,
0: Cliff Kingsbury, or Mike Vrabel? I mean, they just won a game throwing three passes. That's pretty impressive. And you've kind of seen them, I I hate to say this because it sounds so disrespectful, but you've kind of seen them move on from the Brady era and reinvent themselves as a contender. I think we all look at the AFC right now. New England's one of the first names you mentioned. Belichick deserves a ton of credit for that. Not a superstar-studded roster in terms of some of the rosters New England's had in the past, But, but something about this right now just makes me lean Cliff Kingsbury. Um, Not that long ago, you were looking at that going, is this going to work out in the desert with this guy who got fired at Texas Tech? And I know they have talent. I know they've gone out and got guys. But at the end of the day, you're still talking about Arizona. You're still talking about the Cardinals. And in terms of consistent success, in terms of postseason expectations, the Cardinals are fairly Jacksonville Jaguars-ish in that they've had a run. You think about Warner and Bolden and and Larry Fitz, but – you haven't had a whole lot of it. And you've seen Cliff Kingsbury come in and change the culture. Remember, a lot of people said, you're going to draft Kyler Murray number one. You have Josh Rosen. Kyler Murray's short. Yeah, that's my guy. We're going to win. And you can make an argument Arizona's the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I know Green Bay's there. I know Dallas is there. I know, you know, the wet, you know, out west. But I, I think Bill Belichick would absolutely be deserving. But if you're asking me for my pick right now, I might lean Cliff Kingsbury.
1: <clears throat> when you think about Bill Belichick and what makes him a great coach is you know, people are saying what held him back in 2020, he couldn't find a quarterback. I mean I know they I know they had Cam and Cam really wasn't, you know, uh, he wasn't really blending in with that Josh McDaniels offense. A year later you get Mac Jones. Cam as obviously back with the Carolina Panthers, but Mac Jones is getting it done. And when you go to it when you go into a game with a rookie quarter, with a rookie quarterback and you saying to yourself, we're gonna run the ball three times. John Lewis Smith, Hunter Henry, you're not gonna catch the ball. The Harry you're not gonna catch the ball. Damian Harris, get us there. They got him there. Matt LaFleur, I mean, I'm sorry, at the end of the day, I mean when you got you know, when you got uh when you when you got uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you're gonna find a way to get something done. Now, Mike Vrabel, BJ, is one of the most underrated coaches in the national. No Derrick Henry. League. No Derrick Henry. But the thing is that defense, they keep him in games. I mean, Simmons and those guys on defense, I mean, you know, uh, you know, Byron and those guys. But it's got to be but I but I still come back to Bill Belichick for this reason this week alone. Who are they better are they better off without are they better off without Tom Terrific? No. But one year removed, and they back not just not just trying to compete for that division, compete for tops up, for tops in the uh, best record in the AFC. Mac Jones is not gonna wow you, but they but he don't got no BJ. I mean, he got John Smith and Hunter Heron. I mean, that's not Aaron Hernandez and Grunt. He got Nakir Harry. That ain't that ain't Wes Welker and uh, Randy Mouse out there. So they doing with a bunch of guys that that, that love, love the game of football, find a way to get done. And Bill Belichick said, look, I know I know last year, y'all. Y'all kind of like, you know, said, I'm, I'm gone, I'm done, that's it. One year later, these guys are not just good, they're really, really good. And listen, in Buffalo, people said if Buffalo could have just made one play, they would have won. Well, they didn't. And that's why that's why you don't want to play in places like Buffalo and the wing. We got to deal with those frigid-type conditions. But, yeah, it's got to be old Bill Belichick.
3: Yeah, I got to go Bill Belichick, too. Um, the job he's just done this year, if you look at all the rookie quarterbacks that's been drafted, everybody has struggled except Mac Jones. I mean, I love Justin Fields. You know I love Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Trey Lance isn't even playing and Bill Belichick has his team nine and four. They started off the season two and four, won seven straight games. They're my Super Bowl favorite right now. And mm. I just I just it's hard for me to think anybody's gonna come in Foxboro and beat this team and he has that defense just playing. It's scary. It's lights out in man. I mean, shout out to Bill Belichick, but he's the one he doesn't have any superstars on offense. I can't really name any guys. Damian Harris is He's a, he's a solid running back, but I'll definitely say Bill Belichick. Um, take two. Apparently, LSU was ready to offer Jimbo Fisher an eight-year, $125 million deal. Would Jimbo have been a better hire than Brian Kelly?
0: Yes, and I don't think there are many guys you would you would say yes. Uh, is it a better hire than Brian Kelly? I think Jimbo's one of those few, and I hate to simplify it to this, but... He's got a natty. I mean, there are only a handful of coaches in college football that have a national championship. Jimbo has one. And Texas A&M kind of fell off a little bit late this season, but if you go back to last year in College Station, they were the first team out of the playoff. A lot of people forget that. Texas A&M in 2020 was fifth in the college football playoff polls. Now, I know Notre Dame's been in it, but I think it's a, a different route, quite honestly, going through what Notre Dame has with their independent schedule in the ACC for one year and going through the SEC West, where Jimbo Fisher is with Texas A&M. I think he's done a really good job with the Aggies. I know they haven't quite gotten to that championship level that fans feel like they're paying for, but it takes time. Jimbo Fisher is one of the best coaches in college football. Brian Kelly is too, but I think if you're comparing those guys, you can have one I think Jimbo Fisher knows what it takes. He's done it. He's lived it. He's worked through it to win a national championship. And I, there's 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 no way to replicate that. Now you're talking about eight for 125. I mean these are massive, massive contracts. And with those contracts, I know this one didn't come to fruition. The expectations are going to be what they are. You're not. I mean Ben, you said this a couple of weeks ago. You're not paying somebody 12, 13 million dollars a year to go to the Alamo Bowl. Mm-hmm. All due respect to the Alamo Bowl. You're paying 12 13 14 whatever it may end up being, million a year to get to that playoff and give yourself a shot to win a national championship. So the Brian Kelly hire was impressive. You're LSU, and you're a great program, but you're not an all-time great program like Notre Dame. You go into South Bend with Notre Dame potentially on the verge of the college football playoff. Didn't make it, but could have and you got Brian Kelly, the all-time winningest coach in the history of the Fighting Irish, to walk away and come south. Very impressive. But I think Jimbo Fisher was probably LSU's top target, first target. There were rumors about Fisher going to Baton Rouge when he was at Florida State before he ever went to Texas A&M. So I would have taken Fisher over Kelly, yes.
1: I would have taken uh, Jimbo Fisher over Kelly because, like you said, BJ, he already got the natty, but Alabama's lost one game this year. Who beat them? That would be Texas A&M. Talk about being fifth last year, uh, BJ, in the college football playoff. So when you talk about what uh when you talk about what Jimbo Fisher was there at Texas and to do, he was getting them back to get them nationally relevant, put them in position to go to college football playoffs. He's done that now. Obviously, the movable force is Alabama. When you talk about, uh, we talk about Brian Kelly. He's had tremendous success uh, at Notre Dame. The only two, the only two teams he's beaten in the SEC since he's been there is LSU twice. Every other SEC team he's met in the college football playoff, they got the brakes beat off of him. So, is Brian Kelly an incredible hire? Yes. But for everybody who was thinking that Brian, Brian Kelly was the guy that said yes, he wasn't the guy they really wanted. The guy they covered was the guy that said, "Look, my dream job is to be at LSU." But Texas A&M said, "Look, man, I'm trying to tell you." You know, Baton Rouge is a great place to live, but I think over here in College Station, we got something for you. So it is Jimbo Fisher because I tell BJ this all the time. To win the national championship, you got to have a special team. You got to have a big-time quarterback, and things have to go your way. You go back to that 2013 Florida State team, they had it all, and they got it done. To win a national championship in college football is prestigious. To go undefeated to do and do it is even more. So I think it would have been Jimbo, but at the end of the day, Jimbo said, look, man, I'm gonna try to stick to this commitment I said here at Texas NM and if I got to go through LSU and an Alabama duel, so be it. But yes, the better the better, the greater of the two, in my opinion, is Jimbo.
3: Yeah, you guys are preaching the gospel. Um I'll go Jimbo as well. I think what he did this year was so impressive to me. Not only did he beat Alabama, he beat them with his second string quarterback. Great point. Um, he did go, he beat them. Whether it's at home, it's hard to beat Bama. Ask Georgia, ask a lot of teams, ask LSU before 2019. It takes, it's really hard to beat Bama. He did that with a second string quarterback, and he, he was one game away last year from making it to the college football playoffs. Who did you lose to? You lost to the national champions. That's it. You were 9-1 last year. This year, you're 8-4 and four with a lot of injuries. I think they're a year or two away from making the college football playoff berth, and I believe in Jimbo, so I would definitely go Jimbo in that situation. Um, take three. The NCAA is reportedly considering eliminating the early signing period. Should signing day be changed back to the way it is?
0: Yeah, and there are complexities here. Uh, to me, my first thought, and, 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 Ben, I'll defer to you on – on on, on a lot of things with a topic like this. Is is this adding to the rush to fire coaches? Is this adding to the instability in college football? I think it is. And if it is, I think that should make us pause and reevaluate. I understand there's great excitement around what's going to happen six days from now, the early signing period. And a lot of the big-time schools, Ohio State, Florida, Georgia, uh, you're seeing classes almost completely signed. I mean, the recruiting process is just about done before you get to Christmas. And I also understand if you're a student athlete and you've been committed and you know where you wanna go and your mind is made up, you can kind of end the chaos. Because even if you're committed, you're still getting calls, you're still getting texts, uh, you're still being asked to do media, coaches are coming to see you, and you can kind of bring some finality to what can be a chaotic process with the early signing period, and I understand that. But I don't think it's healthy for the game or for the student athletes or the programs if we're rushing to fire these coaches all of a sudden because not only do we have to make a change, but now we have to make a change and have a staff assembled and have our logistics uh, coordinated for recruiting, you know, three, four weeks, a month out of early signing period uh, so that we can maximize the what is now basically the new mad dash uh, for recruiting, which is the last couple of weeks in November, the first couple of weeks in December. And I think that's really tough for coaches. And even if you look at coaches who are hired, right? If you look at Napier, if you look at Helton, if you look at Kelly, I mean, these coaches are coming in and you're trying to scramble. I mean, maybe you got hired, Ben, on the first day of December. You're trying to scramble and basically play catch up and hire coaches who are maybe out recruiting for others. I mean, it's nuts. And I understand that if, you're a student athlete, and you want it over with. There's, there's, you know, great rationale in having a way to do that. But I wonder if this is adding to the pressure for some student athletes. I don't know this, but I wonder if some coaches are saying, "Hey, you better sign on December 15th." And I don't think that's what we want to do. I, I, I don't think we want to be in, in. Th- in a situation where coaches are pressuring indirectly or directly student-athletes who are 16, 17 years old to make one of the most important decisions of their life. And I don't know how common that is, but then I'll defer to you, but to me, my, my first thought is it made sense when we tried it, but I think this is adding to the instability in college football.
1: Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's making it's, it's making the powers that be even more powerful. Let's face it, this is only going to benefit teams no, uh, You know, BJ and Cam that already have leverage. And the thing about college football, i go back to it. It's either college football or it's not. There are certain things that you just don't take away. National sign of day is prestigious. That means that everybody gets to have their shine on the same day. Not or oh, because you because Cam, BJ, you know, we're going to defer to the Georgias, to the Alabama, to the Clemson, of the world, as if to say that's all college football. That's not. Mm-hmm. I mean – Look at look at look at what J- look at what Jackson State is doing right now with with uh, with Deion Sam. They had a number one recruiting class in, you know, in the HBCU circuit. Where are they playing at? in in the celebration bowl against who? South Carolina State the Coach Pugh. The thing about college football is with all these rules being implemented, that's only gonna benefit the ones that kind of dictate the college football landscape. When you start talking about National sign today, look, make recruiting even. Make it so that guys don't get there. Cause think about this, uh, BJ. You talk about guys that decide to graduate early in college just so they can be a part of that re- recruiting class, so they can get in there earlier. Look, there's nothing wrong with going handling your business in high school, but if I'm doing it just so I can be a part of that recruiting class to get on campus early to help me help my plan plan time chances, I do think national National Sunday Day for me was incredible because it means that you, know, you go back to 2000, you know, February 2000, we sitting there on the front cover, me myself, I me mean, uh, Carlos Rogers, Isaac West on the front page of the Sports of Augusta Chronicle. That's prestigious. And what's the rush? What happens is, if you a great recruiter, I'm a great recruiter. That makes so that, yeah, you, know, you still get Napier, you still get Kelly, you still get Hilton. You know, you're still getting all these coaches, you're still getting Crystal ball. Crystal ball is out there right now. People say, man, he didn't even have a chance to take his suit off. Right. Give these coaches a chance to adjust. Let me see what I got on campus, right? Let me kind of see, you know, who, how to evaluate because BJ, we talk about the transfer portal. A lot of these guys can see what's coming. They've been a part of big-time recruiting class. They know what's being said on the recruiting trail to get these guys to go to these schools. So for me, I think just make it February. Guys aren't gonna play anyway. They're just signing to be able to have their shine. We let's go to Topeka, you know, let's go to Topeka, Kansas. We got a kid that's gonna. I get it. It's it's a it's very very hard to get recruited, but I think at the end of the day, get go back to the first Wednesday in February. That way, BJ, everybody got the same recruiting opportunity and not Hey man we was going to recruit you but we already got this corner we are going to wait on you cuz that's what people don't see. We all play in the same position. Hey, hey you know cornerback A said he going to sign but we going to wait till till February. So think about the scrutiny these players go through. Make it one day,
3: make it prestigious. Let's get back, let's get back to basics. I 100% agree with you. I'm I am i am going to go a different route with this. I think we're forgetting about like the kids and who who it's really about signing day. I know we have an early signing period and honestly, I've hated that because if you put – it makes – it it puts a spotlight on different kids and not all the kids because it's national signing day for high school. It's not national signing day for the NFL or anything. It's high school kids going to college. You get this one time. And I think the early signing period – say I sign to Georgia right now. What's more important, me signing to Georgia and I'm another five-star recruit or Georgia playing in the college football playoffs? So my shine is getting overshadowed by the fact that they have to play Michigan. All these bowl games are going on, and I don't get any recognition for the fact. I'm a five-star. There's, what, 20, 35 stars in the country? You're, like, 1% of the entire nation. Now, if you move it to where it is after the season in February, everybody gets to the shine. The five stars, the four the big stars. big stage is there for everybody. The big stage is everybody. D2, D3, anything, the big stage. And I think the culture needs to be back to that so high school fl- players can feel good about themselves because you see you, mental health and some guys, they feel like they're not important when they go to a university for one year and things don't pan out. I think
0: that's a big, a big reason right there. Good point, Cam. That's take three. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. B.J. Bennett alongside Ben Troop. A lot to get to. We'll come back. We'll talk about Notre Dame's Marcus Freeman, a new head coach at one of the biggest jobs in the country, and talk about him being a a, a player's coach is out there. We'll get into that next. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. This quarterback, Mississippi State. You're listening to Three and Out with B.J. Penn and Kevin. Notre Dame head coach, new Notre Dame head coach, Marcus Freeman, uh, getting ready, obviously, for the postseason there for the Irish, but has a really insightful, really powerful kind of open letter he wrote on the Players' Tribune where he talks about and this is a guy that's just 35 years old uh, where he talks about how much he loves Notre Dame, goes back to the recruiting process where I believe is a star linebacker. He was down to Ohio State and Notre Dame ended up going to Ohio State. Uh, talks about how much, you know, the, the student athletes mean to him, the opportunity. Talks about, you know, being a black man that's the head coach of, of, of Notre Dame and, uh, you, know, you know, what that represents. And I, it, it's interesting in that piece – He talks about how he addresses, I guess, that a lot of people just look at him and go, oh, player's coach. He's a player's coach. And there are a lot of coaches uh, over the years, all different kinds of sports, who are player's coaches. But he, he comes out and says, look, just because I'm a player's coach doesn't mean I'm I'm not going to have strict guidelines. Doesn't mean I'm not going to have specific rules. Doesn't mean I'm not going to have expectations that are as high as anybody in the country. And you're talking about a guy, when you look at Marcus Freeman, uh, this year was the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Notre Dame finished in the top 10 in in scoring defense. Last year was the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, finished in the top 10, the Bearcats did, in scoring defense. You're talking about a guy – uh, who, as a defensive coordinator at two power teams, uh, Cincinnati not necessarily a power program over the long haul, but a contending team along with Notre Dame, he's gone 20-2 and two the last two years. And in that span, Ben, his defenses have allowed 17.5 points per game. He's been right up there with Brent Venables, Dan Lanning, as the best defensive coordinator in the country. Um, are we not giving him enough credit? Is college football not – appreciating all that he's done and what he's accomplished. When you look at him and go, oh, players, coach, players, coach, players, coach, that's why he's got the job.
1: Yes, because you're trying to limit him. You're trying to say that he got in for some type of, you know, Rooney rule type reason, or it's not because of what he's done on the field uh, or lack thereof. Or, or, or really, when you think about it, BJ, what, what really, really like ticks me off about it is when Brian Kelly got high, you ain't not hear about a players coach. When Coach Hilton got high, you ain't not hear about the players coach. When Coach you know, Mario Cristobal got hired you in here by the player's coach. I mean, so on and so forth. Marcus Freeman, he understands there are certain things he can't get past. Right? He's, his, his mom is Korean. His dad is black. And he understands that I am the head coach of probably the biggest brand, B.J. say in college football. He said back in the day he had to pick between Ohio State and Notre Dame. Who was the head coach of Notre Dame? Tyrone Willingham. He was the head coach at the time he picked Ohio State. What I appreciate about Marcus Freeman is. He doesn't stray away from it. You know, and the thing about it is, is, you know, I, I saw that this is, what I, this is what I think a player's coach is, and this is what I think he is. A, a player's coach, fair yet firm, demanding and disciplined, detailed and down to earth, intense and intentional, fundamentally sound and focused on the task, process driven, not results driven, wants to win but can take a loss, cares about the players and sees them as people. That's, that's a player's coach. I got coached for Coach Spurrier and Coach Zook. Both players coach different approaches. But Marcus Freeman knows that when you hear players coach with him, it's, see, that's why he got the job, because the players like him. No, that's not why he got the job. BJ, you went through his resume. I mean, has lost twice. Has lost two times in, uh, in the last two years. One was at Clemson. The other one was in Cincinnati. What, what and what and what and what is critical about that? Clemson, college football playoff. Cincinnati, college football playoff. So when you beat Notre Dame, that is probably the best resume builder. How do I know it's a great resume builder? I mean, Cincinnati is not a Cincinnati is it's not a it's not a, a powerhouse in college football, but beating Notre Dame. And I know he had a story, BJ, and he had a, he wrote a story called you know Dear Notre Dame. He and he was talking about how you know he he he's always about the X and O. Listen, the next play. And he's the type of he's the type of coach you want to play for, BJ. I, I'm gonna say this about Marcus Freeman, about a Mike Loxley. You know, I mean, any African American coach that get heads, you get a head coaching opportunity. Don't let the color of his skin get past. These people earned it. Not don't don't give me these ass. he only got this because of. Let me tell you something. Notre Dame don't don't hire coaches like they used to, BJ. With, you know, uh, when they when they went through a bunch of coaches to try to get one that was right. Marcus Freeman said, "Look, it's all about opportunity." With him, he understands I represent something bigger than the game. I represent opportunity. Him giving a big shout out to Mike Loxley, you know, uh, who started the uh, Black Coaches Coalition. And you played for Coach Lockley? Yeah, I played right? for Coach Lockley for two years, my last two years uh, under Ron Zook. I like when he's at a prestigious university. It's all about the players, it's all about what they do, but he understands what he represents. And I like the fact. Listen, he didn't have to address this with the players. With the players, coach say. But I think he's doing that for the next coach that looks like him to get a position like him. That's why he's really doing. It. He's saying, "Look, it's okay to address these things, but I'm also telling you what we do." You know, as and another thing he did too, BJ. You get you get a new head coach, you think a new staff's gonna come in? He goes, "We're with my guys. These are my guys." Like they didn't they didn't they didn't go through an overhaul and all these coaches. So Marcus Freeman. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm really really happy for him. I, I just think that sometimes BJ. We get so caught up in, you know, who is doing it, not what they're doing. But, B.J., you know, just like I know, Coach Norvell, he was considered a player's coach. It didn't even come out. People, people forgot all about it. He doesn't want that to be his staying, his staying power. Every time he wins, is because he got the players. Well, I mean, because of his defense, I mean, they've only lost two yeah, games he's, last Yeah, he's one of
0: the elite defensive minds in college football. So, yes. I, I'm,
1: really, I'm really, really happy for him. And I like the fact two that he – Two top
0: ten defenses in yes, a row. He doesn't,
1: he doesn't stray away from it, but B.J., I can only imagine him getting that call saying, look, man, we're going to go with you to be the next head coach at Notre Dame. There are brands, and there's Notre Dame. There is college football, and there is Notre Dame. I mean, I don't know if you can have a bigger brand than there, but Marcus seems to be a guy for you to understand. He's making about the players. He's keeping about the players. He's all about the next play. He's all about the task at hand, man. And uh, dare I say, man, seems, seems to be the type of – if he is a player's coach, he would definitely be the type of player – I mean, he would definitely be the type of coach I would definitely want to
0: play under. And we need more minority coaches, more black coaches uh, in, in, in sports and college football. Will Coach Freeman being at Notre Dame help open up opportunities for other minority coaches moving forward?
1: You would think so. You would think so, BJ. And, but let's face it, it's going to come down to, to the results. I mean, the one thing Marcus isn't straying away from is, look, this is, this is a great opportunity for him. He's giving a shout out to Mike Loxley. He's giving a shout out to guys that look like him, but he knows it comes down to what I do. I got, I'm in this position for what I did the last two years, so they they was able to move on from Brian Kelly, move on from him because they know they had me in the building. But BJ, you know just like I know, if he goes out there and win, it shouldn't matter how he looks. But that'll never ever go away. You would hope so, BJ, because when you look around college football, you know it's you no, know, you got Herm Edwards, you got Mike Loxley, you know you got Coach Dino. I mean, you got some guys uh, that's definitely getting it done at a high level, but. I think he might have just shifted college football because of where he's doing it at. Notre Dame, I mean, that's that's USC. That's Alabama. You know, that's Miami. That's that's the blue bloods of college football. And it's tradition, then football, I think, in Notre Dame. You, you think Notre Dame, man. I might not have ever seen him play, but I know about the brand. And the fact that they got him at the helm, I think he's going to do more for college football because – he answered those questions. They asked them about minority coaches. Let's talk about it. I'm not gonna say because I made it. I, I get to stand on the shoulders of guys like a Mike Lockley who put together this coalition to say we gotta do it. And until minority coaches being big news goes away, we're gonna have to highlight when they get positions like this. So Marcus Freeman, just like when Willie Tacker was the head coach of Florida State. That is huge for college football. It didn't go as well that, that you wanted to for Willie Tacker BJ. He is back as a head coach, but yeah, I hope I'm 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 rooting for Marcus for different reasons, I mean, so because I know what it means to him, but he knows if he ain't getting wins, B.J., hey, man, it's a results-driven business.
0: Well, and he will, of course, be the head coach of the Irish when they take on Oklahoma State yeah. in the Fiesta Bowl, so that game coming up in just a couple of weeks. B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop here with you on 3 and Out. We will come back. Really excited about this interview. We're going to chat with Dustin Poirier as he takes on Charles Oliveira. UFC 269 on Saturday night. You can order it on ESPN+. Plus. You're talking about a championship, a title on the line. The lightweight title belonging to Oliveira. Uh, Poirier going for that. And You're talking about a guy that this year has beaten uh, Conor McGregor twice. Yes. You're talking about a guy that, what, 28-6-0 and yeah. all-time. So we will chat with Dustin Diamond Poirier next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. On a Thursday afternoon and BJ Bennett here alongside Ben Troop, a huge MMA event, uh, UFC coming up Saturday night, UFC 269. It'll be available on ESPN Plus between Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier is the number one contender in the top five in the UFC pound for pound rankings and he has a chance at a title this Saturday night in Vegas and Dustin joins us now, Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Dustin, good
4: afternoon. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, man, and speaking of three and out, me and the New Orleans Saints have been doing a lot of that, huh?
0: Well, I understand that. Listen, we're not far from the Jacksonville Jaguars, so we're on the same page there, but (laughs) walk us through your mindset. Obviously, a huge fight, the last pay-per-view event of the year. Uh, Your story speaks for itself. Where's your mindset right now ahead of what's going to be a whole lot of fun on Saturday night?
4: I'm excited for the opportunity. I'm excited that um, I put myself back in this position to – get a chance to be the, the world champion on saturday night i'm just thankful for the journey man and uh, ready to ready to go
1: Dustin, when i see you i see a guy that just finds a way to reinvent himself win or lose but you you a guy that's known for just uh, taking big fights talk about that just not running from the biggest names in the sport
4: i mean that's what i want i want the biggest fights i can get i want the most traction the most publicity the most pay-per-view buys that's what it's about you know it's about fighting the best and putting on the biggest shows you can
0: and Dustin, I know you recently told Yahoo Sports, quote, winning the title is my ultimate goal. It's at the top of my list of things to do in mixed martial arts, so it's very important to me. Uh, is that what it all comes down to at the end of the day? Listen, you've done some remarkable things. You've won you know, some of the most compelling matches that, that people can remember, but when it comes down to it, you're in it to win it. You're in it for a championship, and that's what this weekend's all about, right?
4: Yeah, man. I've, I've been saying it over and over this week, this once a champion, always a champion. You know, my goal is to be the world champion, and uh, you know nobody can ever take that from me.
1: Dustin, I mean, it's it's well documented. I mean, you beat uh, Conor McGregor twice, and now you're trying to be the undisputed. Are you ready to be the face of UFC with a guy that's already got a legacy in this sport?
4: I mean, I'm not sure about the face of the UFC, but I'll definitely go out there, get my hand raised, and be the face of the lightweight division, be the best 155 pound fighter in the world
0: want to go back to, to your fight against Dan Hooker. I know a lot of people have said that was a fight that really helped springboard you to the next level. Obviously, the Conor McGregor fights as well, but take us back to that fight against uh, Dan Hooker and what that meant for you and your career trajectory.
4: That was me coming back from uh, a surgery, a little bit of a layoff, uh, trying to bounce back from a defeat, and you know what you, what you saw is what it was. I was willing to leave everything out there that night and do whatever I could to, to be victorious. And because of that mindset, we put on one hell of a fight.
1: I mean, Desmond, I know about your service work you do away from, you know, away from the out of the gun and everything you be doing. What? A guy from Louisiana, real mild manner. But you turn into somebody different, man, when you get in that cage, man. Just talk about how you able to turn on a different switch when you in there.
4: It's just what I do. You know, it's – there's no – there's no event that – of, of actions that have to happen to make me do that. When the bell rings, it's time to go. And, uh, you know, I've been fighting for a long time. So it's just – it's its part of me. That is part of me.
0: We're chatting with Dustin, the Diamond Poirier, the number one contender, will take on Charles Oliveira in UFC 269 in Vegas this weekend. So let's talk about this matchup specifically. Obviously, a lot on the line. This is what you do it for. What's going to be the key to taking down Oliveira?
4: It's um... – not putting, not getting put in any bad positions. You know, fighting a smart fight, using my fight IQ, and understanding that we have 25 minutes in this fight. You know, not rush anything and, and be patient.
1: When you go up against a guy that wants to put you, you know, that's known from uh, you know, winning, uh, winning fights by submission. You're a guy that has, you know, uh, I mean, a dynamite right hand. You could definitely do, uh, do a lot of damage. What, what's the? Is it being patient round around, or is it kind of taking what he gives you?
4: Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. You know, um, capitalizing on his mistakes being aware being fully in the moment so I can recognize when those opportunities present themselves. That's what it's all about.
0: Saturday night, Las Vegas. You can also watch it on ESPN plus, of course, not long ago, the sports world, Dustin was on pause. There uh, was a break from fans. How much different is the energy is the intensity when you're doing what you're doing, but also there are, you know, crowds of thousands of people around adding to that electricity.
4: It's fun, man. You know, we, we get in there on the walkout from, from the locker room to the, to the octagon. You feel all that. You hear the, you know, you feel the roar of the crowd. You feel the energy from them. And uh, it just gets you more excited. You know, your heart's already pounding with adrenaline because you're about to get in there and fight in front of the world. But coming back, you know, with, with things opening back up and fans being able to come to events now, it, it feels like things are back to normal to me.
1: And Dustin, I mean, the walkout is one thing. Talk it with me. Mean, what about them weigh-ins, man, them face-offs? I mean, those those be some of the most intense I've ever seen, you know, uh, in a sport.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't put a whole lot of focus and thought into that. I put, you know, just making the way to stuff enough.
0: B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop here chatting with Dustin Poirier. You're talking about UFC 269 coming up this weekend in Las Vegas Take us back to the beginning because I know for a lot of people the the story is obviously about Saturday night, but how did you get into mixed martial arts and at what point did you realize this is me, this is who I am, not only can I do this, but I can do this at a world-class level?
4: Uh, When I was probably 18 years old bouncing around to gyms in Louisiana uh, working on my boxing, I found some guys who were training mixed martial arts and started doing it there. Then I started fighting amateur and and you know like it just snowballed into a career, and me and my wife bought a house and we was able to start actually paying bills and being an actual professional fighter. You know, not just somebody who fought for a little bit of extra money here and there on the weekends. This was something I could support my family doing, and haven't looked back since, man.
1: Doesn't obviously Saturday night. I mean, you want to be the last man standing. What is that? What is that feeling going to be like? You know, when they raise your hand saying the undisputed.
4: I can't. I'm. That's what I'm trying to find out right there. I'm trying to find this out in a couple of days.
0: At what point, and, and, and maybe you're already there, Dustin, but at what point are you locked in? I, I, you, you know, you talk to athletes, and some will say it's when I come out of the tunnel. Some will say, you know, when I first get hit or when I first touch the ball. For you, are you already in the mindset of it's 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 here, it's now, or, or will it be Saturday night?
4: I'm in uh, the beginning stages of that mindset. You know, when I get into the arena and get into the locker room, start moving around, warming up, hear the crowd roar from the fights before me that's whenever it's real that's whenever we're locked in and we're doing this
1: dustin you, you know you from louisiana daniel cormier from louisiana what is it about y'all louisiana boys i know y'all play football at lsu and baton rouge and y'all got the saints but y'all got some fighters coming out of out of the boot as well
4: yeah man we're not scared to work hard we're not scared to get our hands dirty and um, you know coming from where me and daniel come from not a lot of silver spoons you know what i mean so we got to grind to get what we want, and and with that comes a mindset that's beneficial not only in fighting but in any business. Hey, Dustin Christian here. I wanted to ask you before we let you go, because
0: we have baseball players on, we have football players on. They talk about when you hit a home run and you just know right off the bat or or you throw a pass, you just know as soon as it leaves leaves your hands that it's a touchdown. When you kick somebody in the face and it connects, do you just know? Is there that same kind of feeling?
4: Yeah. Yeah, even (laughs) if – kick or a punch, you know, even if they play it off and put on a poker face and act tough, you know. You, I've been punching people for so many years that I know when shots get through, whether it's to the body or to the head, I know when it hurts you. No matter what you look like, I know what it hurts.
0: Number 1 contender Dustin Poirier against Charles Oliveira in UFC 269 in Vegas Saturday night. It of course is available on ESPN Plus. It's going to be outstanding. Dustin Poirier 28-6-0, number 5 in the UFC pound for pound rankings and a chance to get that title Saturday night. Dustin, a thrill to chat with you. Thank you so much. Best of luck Saturday night.
4: Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. Undisputed Saturday night, baby.
0: It is going down Saturday night in Vegas. And again, you can find the fight ESPN Plus, Dustin Poirier against Charles Oliveira, a title on the line, the lightweight title on the line of Charles Oliveira. Dustin Poirier, the number one contender. And great to hear from him there, get his perspective. He's going to be ready to go on Saturday night. And you can find that fight ESPN Plus. We'll come back with more. BJ Bennett alongside Ben Troop. It is three and out all across the. So we got bowl games coming up. If you were a team like Florida and had an incredible six and six season, beastly five hundred overall, you were talk able about to get in, uh, like, like half the SEC went six and six. I mean, and listen, it ain't the crazy BJ
1: people talking about a resurgence from uh, Kentucky? No, no, I mean, I mean, for Tennessee, Tennessee went seven and five. I mean, seven and five is serious. And so, listen, BJ, we talked about this, right? We don't place enough.
0: We don't place enough on the fact that the hardest thing to do in college football is to win six Think games. about the teams that aren't going bowling. Cause other people say, oh, there are too many bowl games. Okay, you know, probably. And we'll have some bowl trivia later. But Texas? Nope. nope. Nebraska? Nope. Hey, Florida State? Nope. Right, so there's some big names, you know, around, names around college football not going bowling. But here's what I wanted to ask you. Because a lot of people say, man, the bowl game, you know – you have too many of them. For the student athlete, I want to ask you about the swag bag. Because I know you get to go do a lot of really cool community work. Uh, I know that was very uh, uh, influential on you. You talk about that in the book. Uh, and, and you get to travel maybe to a new uh, new city. You get more practices. But what's the bowl swag like? What did you get as a player when you go to the whatever.com or the whatever bowl?
1: Oh, man. So we went to the uh... – went to the Sugar Bowl BJ I mean they gave us the, they gave us the Sugar Bowl letterman jackets you know you got the they gave it. The, we we no, had no no, no 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 uh,
0: like a PlayStation oh man so like a camcorder they still have those yeah yeah yeah
1: man we tra- so I think we did. I think we. Oh, BJ. We, I'm gonna tell my age. So we went to the Orange Bowl. Did y'all get a Sega? No, listen, listen. Got, got, got them. Uh, got them DVD players. I, and, and, and that's back, BJ, with everything like this. Ooh, the portable DVD. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. You, you know, no, they ain't getting Like just no a portable. big regular DVD. But player? It, was, it was. It was. It was a. Du- it was. Listen. It was a duel. It was, How it was, long it was, ago was this? I mean, look, listen. Back, back. Listen. Back. Back when. Uh, back when Zenith was still making TVs. But I. W- I will say this. I was telling Kevin this. When you think about, when you think about, you know, uh, from the cameras, camcorders to the DVD players to the playstations, you start realizing how you're seen perception-wise. Because your family members go like, "This is how they do." They come and say, "Ooh, is that is that an orange bowl DVD player?" And they already making up their mind. They want it you're like, "Yeah." He like, "Can I get?" It's like, so and everybody on the team. That's that's everybody. That's walk-ons. That's everybody. But I, but I will say, BJ, when you, you know, um, when you start thinking about the apparel, when you start thinking about uh, the swag bags, that stuff is gonna be memorabilia for other people. Because BJ, you know, if somebody's walking around when 2000, when Florida State went to the went to the, I know they went to the freaking Orange Bowl because I was getting pelted in the face with them if you walk around with a 2000 orange bowl you know like jacket on or something that, those are those are items that are very very limited to have cuz what they give the players it's not like now it's, whatever the players get is somewhere on fanatics they selling it no yeah, yeah cuz i've seen stuff
0: where you get like a $500 gift card or or, oh my get, or whatever
1: listen, listen i'm 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 there for the cheese bj but at the end of the day yes the swag the swag bags I'm talking about I'm talking about letterman jackets. I'm talking, I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh fitness tops and bottoms. I'm talking about uh digital cameras. I can't use the camera now. I sure as hell could use one back then in 2000. But I will say, when I when I go, when I see my family members now, you know, we don't get a chance to see each other like we should. My family come up to me like, hey, boy, remember when you gave me this? Now, obviously, some of the stuff I gave away, some of it kind of developed legs, which is fine. But no, you be like, oh, that's nice. I mean, uh, but I yeah, the swag bag's nice, but I will say. I've heard, now, BJ, you go to the New Year's Six Bowls, they think they get the best stuff. No. It'd be these bowl games that Kevin be thinking, oh, the Alamo Bowls and all the armor, you know. What happens is, BJ, these people be so happy that you're there. They say, guys, come. They, listen, they say they give you stuff before you get on the plane. You got stuff in your hotel room, and they got stuff they give you when you leave. So now... That's what I'm saying. You go to the Windex.com Bowl. So, so, our, so, yeah. so, so, so BJ, I mean, I'm just saying, if, if Florida State was in a bowl game... We, whoa, we, whoa, whoa, whoa. And we was at that bowl game... For those of you who don't know, it don't matter what Florida State does. Listen, Florida State can have a cup. They just got BJ going. But it looks nice. Sick. But it
0: looks nice though.
1: And BJ and we walking in and we saying and, 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 and I go Coach Norvell. I man, could you get my boy right? Listen, what he wants some swag. Give, BJ goes, BJ, would you be modest?
0: And hold on, what happens when you like? Where were we? Were you, when when uh, when you got the 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 Florida Gator orange Jordans and and they did it. Were not they Gatorade? Were they yeah, actually Gatorade? Gatorade?
1: Gatorade yeah, we, we was in Tallahassee. We was in Tallahassee. You bought the Gatorade. I G- bought in- the
0: Gatorade choice in the Tallahassee
1: mall, and I don't feel bad about it. But BJ, you know, you all you missed the Modest. We had the bowl game. Florida State one. And Coach Norvell said, "Listen, man, whatever he wants in there." I mean, I'll take like a three quarter zip. No, do
0: you do you get everything in there? Yeah. Do you do you say do you say okay, Coach? Can I get a bag to put the stuff in? And my brother, he wears. Uh, a- <laughs> No, I, I'm just saying I think it's cool. I think it, it is. It is. It, I, I, I like the Expe- swag bags.
1: Especially for the walk-ons, for which you can't say enough about them because they know they're not going to play. These guys love the university, and obviously they're not on scholarship. Everybody gets it, but BJ, like I said, some of that swag be nice, though. I
0: don't got none of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, guys will day. post on Twitter, hey, got my bag, here's the video. You have like a uh, – yeah, that's, uh, that's
1: what mom and dad get to go out an there. An Apple play, Watch. Flex. Oh my God!
0: I, I can only imagine.
1: I mean, with, listen, with the cell phone age, BJ, with everything going digital. Oh my God!
0: What if you are getting like, you know? What exactly is the cell phone age? These have been 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 around a while.
1: I, I'm just saying, you know, that's the say tech, the technological the cell phone the age. Te- the
0: technological age. Cam's laughing at you.
1: Cam laughing at me all the time. I say I say this all the time. But, but what I, but what I will say is, BJ, I'm just saying, you walking in and somebody say, BJ, we're gonna give you a phone. For the next three years, because you win this bowl game, B.J. I mean, I'm gonna
0: take the the you know the gray, the metallic Apple Watch. Uh, yeah, Can I get, trade my band in? I want a different color. I'm saying, <laughs> if I mean, if I'm getting the swag bag, I might as well. I mean, we'll I, come back. Uh-huh. A lot to get to in the final hour, including I'm very excited. We're gonna have a bowl trivia contest Uh-oh. with Ben and Cam, uh, and I think it's gonna be fun. A lot of bowl games, a lot of bowl games, and we'll have some actually in a couple of days. But We'll get to that. We'll also talk about the future of college football in just a little bit. Final hour of three and out. B.J. Bennett alongside Ben Troop. We hope you're having a good afternoon. A lot of college football talk to get to over the coming weeks, obviously, with the bowl season starting Georgia-Michigan, Alabama-Cincinnati. I have a hinting suspicion that game might be a little closer than a lot of people think, but we'll get into that tomorrow, next week as we're here with you on 3 and Out. But ben, I wanted to get your thoughts on a quote. I, I saw a Brett McMurphy uh, tweeted this out. North Carolina Athletic Director Bubba Cunningham on the future of college football. Uh, this is a tweet from Brett McMurphy. Quote, I see everything moving toward a professional model. We're not going to stop it, end quote. And I, I understand there's been a lot of change in college athletics. Uh, I don't know that we know quite yet, what the market consistency or viability is for name, image, likeness across the board, I think we're still learning. Uh, I don't think the infrastructure of college football has settled. You have Texas and Oklahoma moving and the Big 12 expansion and Sunbelt expansion, all kind of things going on. Uh, we've had various headlines on the playoff front about are we going stay to stay at four? Are we going to eight or are we going to 12? How are we going to do this? the transfer portal has become big news i understand there are a lot of things kind of in flux but that that feels like an exaggeration i mean i i hear that i understand i guess the premise i understand that this college football era we're in is not the same that we were in a generation ago Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of things have improved for the better but when you hear a quote about, "Hey, are we moving towards a professional model?" Because to me, you're talking about then not only substantial pay. I mean, you're talking about do the players have a players' union? You're talking about uh, health insurance. You're talking about uh, a a a realignment, a reconfiguration of basically the way this is done. Is is that where we're headed, or is that uh, a little much at this point to suggest?
1: It is. It is... <sighs> It is it is very much an exaggeration, BJ. I mean, anytime the players start having any level of uh you know unity, unified front, start having any any level of power, uh people want to start saying it's a professional ranks. I don't hear this when it comes to the coaches. I remember when two and three million dollars a year for a coach was big money. Now ten, fifteen million dollars, so the play so the pay is going up for the face of the uh the pay is going up, BJ. Nobody has anything to say for the faces of these c- colleges and universities. But God forbid. You know, we place the money. And when I'm talking about college athletics, I mean just that. I am not separating gender. I am not separating sport. I am not separating impact. All student athletes, male and female, have these same strenuous schedules. So if he's saying it's going more, BJ, we're talking about being able to benefit everybody, I hope it is going to that. I really, really do. It goes back to what Cam said about National Science Day. Is it about the players? Right? Or is it about something else? Place it back on the players I don't I don't like this whole profession. That that's that fear stuff. That's that people who don't know. Because they know you got the you got this we are lovers of college football, we lovers of college college sports. So the person that don't know about it, said, oh man they are trying to go professional just to try to get just to try to, you know, uh force some force some legislation that don't even need to be in there. But I will say this. As far as like having something that benefits every single student athlete, and for those saying they get scholarships, you know, they they get they get to go to school for free. If there are more, there are a lot more then uh student athletes on campus going to college for free. Except when they're when they when their day ends, the student athlete days begin. BJ, you're married to a student athlete. Going back to those days, you remember when you was like, you know, you was like, do...
0: Oh, no way could I have done it. I mean, I mean, yeah. you,
1: listen, you, listen, You either going somewhere, or gotta be here, or gotta be there, gotta be there, and you gotta Extremely perform. Extremely
0: demanding. So yeah. all
1: I'm saying is, not a professional, but BJ, more more of a more of a cross the board type of type of way of doing things because you know just like I know. It's easy to talk about the DJUs, it's easy to talk about, you know, the bold Nixes of the world, the, the, the big-name quarterbacks. No, no, I want to talk about something to wear. Where the gift cards at? It's a swag bag for every student athlete every month. That's not hard. You know how I know? Every coach that's on these campuses, they got free cars, free cell phones, free clothes, food's comped. If you're Lincoln Riley, you're, 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 you and your family got 24-hour access you know, 365 days a year to a private jet, yet there's no money. I don't want to hear about there not being any money anymore because, and stop placing so much money in these facilities and give it back to the players. facilities are great, but you take it every dime to put in these facilities. I don't think it's a professional ranks, BJ, because I don't think you could do it across the board, especially with the transport port as far as, like, you know, uh, you know 401Ks and, uh, you know, health benefits, but they can do more.
3: You well, know, and, and,
0: and, and, and Ben, this is my thing. I, look, I understand it's a very complex set of circumstances at play where you talk about what's evolved with college football, what's next, where we are. Uh, there's not a lot of clarity. I know there have been talks in recent weeks about potentially with salaries for coaches and all kind of stuff, maybe more congressional involvement. So we don't know what's on the horizon. But I will say this, and, and I get that I'm oversimplifying, and I don't have all the answers, but I do think it's 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 natural – as the scope and scale and the financial resources mm-hmm. of the sport, and I'm talking about college football here, ha- have evolved, and all of college athletics too, yeah, ha- has evolved, wouldn't the corresponding infrastructure evolve as well. That doesn't mean that that you're turning into pro football. Absolutely. That absolutely. doesn't mean that you're turning into the national football absolutely. league. You know and I mean, I've been really fortunate to, to work in sports media for some time and, you know, get to see college football and college athletics. And even in my career in college athletics, the landscape that the college football World operated in in the early two thousands compared to now is significantly different. And if you want to go back a generation and a half, two generations, you know maybe you had a couple of games on TV each week. You know maybe you had um, you know some coaches making close to a million dollars. Maybe Uh, the merchandising wasn't what it is. The 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 brands that the brands brands, yeah yeah, the promotions there were no social media. I mean the TV and look all this stuff is 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 creates income streams for various businesses us included you know so you think about the TV contracts and the radio contracts and the millions of dollars here and the millions of dollars there and you know annual budgets and kind of how it all intertwines that has all dramatically increased but what the student athlete gets has not and I, I, I think it's fair and logical to, to, to say we've seen the money around everything else with college athletics boom, explode, you know, grow fivefold, tenfold. But in 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 kind of generic terms, I don't know the exact totality of what's in a, a college scholarship, but you're getting – as the game has become much more popular, you're getting about the same thing. If if,
1: if that. Yeah.
0: And so so when I hear, oh, man, it's going to become pro football, we're going to ruin it. Well, I think what you're doing is you're having reciprocation for the student athletes as everybody else around college football makes more money. Everybody else the student athlete gets a little more back in resources and like you said that doesn't have to be necessarily a $500 check every Absolutely. week I think there are a variety of ways to be creative, to be innovative to to diversify revenue streams and at the very least I think it's it's incumbent upon us to have these conversations. I don't know what the right answer is. Mm -hmm. I'm not an accountant. Mm -hmm. I'm not a lawyer. Mm -hmm. But I do know that as everything has evolved in college sports, everything has become bigger, more expensive. I mean, try taking a family of four to a college football game. Mm -hmm. Everything has become more expensive. I think it makes sense for the benefits package to expand as well I don't, I, I don't think that's outrageous And the thing about it is BJ They want to talk about it becoming a professional
1: sports You're modeling everything behind professional sports Except taking care, taking care of the main thing You got NFL network You got SEC network you talk, about, you, talk, you talk about hard knocks in the NFL They do hard knocks In college You're talking about making sure that the profile of the head coaches In, in, in the NFL is the biggest ones You're doing it in college You're talking about, you're talking about facilities you're doing that in college. You're talking about raising the profile of these brands. I mean, BJ, these brands are going to levels. I mean, the University of Florida, my alma mater, in the next 10 years have over a billion dollar budget for facilities. Well you think that you think you think people want to invest. And, and and let me say this too. So people say, well, uh, athletics ain't the only thing that benefited to these colleges. Athletic is what gets people want to do these other other facilities. So yes, it's not the College of Medicine or the College of Business, but they say, hey, we want our College of Business to be just as nice as us. So the competitive nature spans beyond college athletics. But but you got to have a reason to watch. What makes Alabama Alabama if you ain't talking about the football team? What makes Florida State Florida State if you ain't talking about the football team? Yes, they got the probably the best women's soccer team right now. But what I am saying is. Look at, look at the trickle-down effect of what college athletics is doing for the entire landscape of these colleges and universities. That's why they that's why they go ahead and make Brian Keller who he is at LSU, because they're going to talk about what he did for Notre Dame. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, yeah. Just to sum it up to that point, because we've been in the coaching carousel season, and I'm not counting anybody's money exactly. at all in any mm-hmm. way. I'm just mm-hmm. using it as a frame of reference. But I think if Lincoln Riley can get a $100 million contract and it costs $500 to take a family of four to the game – and the media corporations are getting hundred million two hundred three hundred million I think and, and and you're making you know a billion dollars off merchandising. I think there's a way, and I understand that not every school can just go and write a check, mm-hmm. but I think there's a way with some sort of cooperative conglomeration to diversify and look at multiple revenue streams and find a way to take a little bit of that, whether in terms of resources. I know you've talked a lot about hey if there's a uh, if there's a, if you're sponsored your football program or athletics department by a cell phone company, why couldn't every student athlete get a trade? Why couldn't and, that be and part and of that's, their and – that's, And that's every – That's part of your – Yeah, that's part of your scholarship package. Yes. You get your cell phone bill taken care of for three yes. or four. And, and, but I think there's a way with, with, with pooled revenue streaming from various sources to increase the benefits package, if you want to call it that, in a variety of ways for student athletes while also not – Letting college football become pro football—I don't think any of us want that. Yeah. We love college football, but I also think as the scope and scale of it has changed, there has to be some corresponding progression on the other side as well.
1: BJ, if we we, we in the media right now, we went to the SEC championship game, and, and because we are part of the media, they gave us you know some 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 local uh, food chain. They gave us some gift cards to go there. They you know but I, I mean I, uh, because uh, they had some type of a technology company. They gave us a free whatever because of that company. All of a sudden, you know, they got these sponsors that want to come in. They're giving us something for every sponsor. Listen, we're grown men who who have jobs, who pay bills. We're going to accept that. I mean, we're going to take every last thing. Just imagine you're going down to 17 to 21-year-olds. You're saying, look, you get a free cell phone. Listen, everybody want to go to the movies. We're giving you a gift card. We got a local supermarket. You get a you you know you get a gift card to go there with your food. Oh, uh, you talk about what every single school is sponsored by some apparel Company, you getting, you getting, you be able to go to the, uh, go on there and pick something out of there, and that's not pro sports. And and the thing, because the thing about it is, I get so sick of this notion of everybody. Listen, everybody don't gotta want money to be compensated. Money is not the ultimate compensation. Appreciation is the ultimate compensation. How do you show appreciation to the people that get it done? You giving them something every month. Because right now. Whether I was at this school or no longer at this school, you don't think the University of Florida still using Tim Tebow's name? We got a statue out front, so they are still benefit for them guys that's no longer on campus. So I think BJ, they they don't want to be creative because we 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 talking about things we coming up with on this show. That's on top of the fact now they can get their NIL deals, but y'all not giving them anything. NIL didn't affect colleges one bit. College doesn't have to give you any more than I already give you. So College is
0: actually not allowed to be a part of that. They
1: exactly. say college are not allowed to be a part of it. They can't stop it. They can embrace it, but they don't have to stop it. Listen, at the end of the day, we want these kids to be celebrated and not tolerated. At this point, you are tolerating them. And these colleges and universities, BJ, dare I say, are making millions upon millions of dollars. And I don't want to hear that. Well, where are they going to be operating at? I ain't never, I ain't seen the college, I ain't seen these big college universities go, go bankrupt yet. So all I'm saying is, come up with a more creative way to be able to benefit these student-athletes, you know. And and if you're being honest, uh, you know, the ladies are probably doing more than the men. When you talk about civic duty and uh, off the, and off the field stuff, they are killing it. So I just think that we we can do a better job of compensating these young people because nobody's making more of a sacrifice for these schools than them. And anybody that wanted to debate me, at me, I mean, because I think I think I think it's crazy, BJ, the fact that we we watching all this prestige going around, but ain't no money. Be, what what is his name? Uh, 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 Shabazz Nazir. I, I mean, I think he played for UConn. Napier, yeah, Shabazz Napier, Napier yeah. Right after the right after. The, listen, once people win it, once win the national championship, they talking about celebrate. He said, "Man, I, I be hungry at night." Not every team got snacks it, across the board. Oh, and the have gots got to do it for the have nots. If you are the flagship universities in these in these uh in these uh states, y'all got to put money in the pool. I care about college athletics first. I care about these universities colleges second. We need to find a way to do a better job.
0: It's a big conversation, and it's complex, and there are a lot of layers, and it's not easy, and it, it, it's hard to be consistent. But I do think we can reasonably maybe expand the the, the profile yes. uh, to some extent of what student-athletes get in a new era of college athletics without it turning into pro sports. Without, I, I think there's a way to do that. We'll come back. Bowl trivia. I'm excited. Hope you guys are ready. We'll do it next, three and out on the Southern Pig Scan Radio. Kevin has had a rant seemingly every year about there are too many bowl games. Get off my lawn. There are too many bowl games, and I don't like the fact that we're expanding what well, he was mad that, right? We uh, we, have, we have a no-name bowl We game. made up a bowl game. No name bowl game. We made up a bowl game. Kevin didn't like that. Now, in the past, we have done this this, this same trivia exercise, and boy, Kevin has struggled. I mean, really struggled. So, in his honor, we'll see. Might be first one to two or three here. Here's what I want to do. No peeking. And I, now, I'm looking at you, Ben. Okay, I'm going to name a bowl game, and you guys have to tell me who's playing in it. Now, here's oh, how. No, yes, now.
3: <laughs> I should have did my research. You should have
0: already studied. Now, here's how it I works. Have it. <laughs> if you get one, I'll, I'll give you a point. Okay. If you get two, I'll give you two points. But once you start guessing, that's it. So, you can't go, oh, this team. Oh, no, what about this team? No, we're not doing that. So, we're doing name that team rules. I'm going to give you one of these. Long-standing tradition, rich bowl games, and you have to tell me who's playing. And again, first one to jump in. But if you go and you get it wrong, you can you know you can take a deep breath and think about it. So we'll start out with you know a a just a really high-profile bowl game. We will go with the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. The Roof Claim. Oh oh oh! Uh, Fau. Wrong. Uh, middle Tennessee. Okay, I see, you guys are on the right track, though. The correct answer Appalachian State and Western Kentucky. Okay. So I, so, so I like the start. That's a good start. Okay. But Appalachian State and Western Kentucky will play in the Boca Raton Bowl, the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Now, this one I like the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Oh, the LA Bowl. Jimmy, Cam, if you get that, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. <laughs> I mean, actually presented by Stifle as well. Arizona State. Okay. No. <laughs> um. Shout out to the Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, the LA fact
3: that Jimmy
1: Kimmel got his own bowl. He got his own bowl game. Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. I
3: see. I know Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois is in a bowl game, but.
0: They are. They are are, are you is yeah, that that's your answer? No. That is not right. That is not right. So we're we're struggling here. Let's let, let, let's go something a little more local. Okay. How about right up the road? The Myrtle Beach Bowl presented by Tax Act. Coastal Carolina? Good thought. No. Oh, my God. That, would be, that would be a home game for Coastal Carolina, yeah. who's, who's right there in Conway. Uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl presented by who? Tax uh, Act. Does that help? No, that don't help. <laughs> uh, Myrtle Beach. And if I, you know all this at home NC State? No. See, this is the beauty of it, though. We... We really didn't look. I know. That so we D- didn't give you a hint at all. No. It's, so I, no, you've already guessed wrong. It's Tulsa and Old Dominion, of course. Oh, my goodness. Aren't they about to come over to the uh, – Old Dominion is coming. You know what? I'm going to give you a half point for that. Boom. Old Dominion. Ald- that's a good fact. to come over. Old Dominion's come coming over, over to over the last. Sun Belt. All right. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe.
3: Oh, my gosh. I just looked at this.
0: Frisco party. Bowl tropical smoothie cafe frisco frisco bowl uh i mean okay
1: you utsa what are you cheating i'm not cheating i mean is it cam frisco?
0: cam are you kidding it, yes it's utsa I, mean, I
1: know that was real oh, good this year
0: what okay you know what i kind of think we should just stop here and I say mean, that was a great segment. I
1: mean, I mean i'm just saying frisco
0: utsa was really really good that was in the college who are they playing uh, that I don't know. It's probably New Mexico like State? No. All right, Cam, if you can get this, you can you can well, Ben's technically got one and a half, but you can get on the board here. Who is Texas San Antonio playing in the tropical smoothie cafe Frisco Bowl? I would tear them That'd smoothies like up six too. And six probably. Oh, I would tear them smoothies up, yeah. Man, I don't know. Ah
3: This is tough. I don't know, man. I can't even give you an answer. San
0: Diego State, and here's what's amazing: they are not six and six. They are eleven <laughs> and two. Yeah. This this, this, this this game is special. UTSA is twelve and one. San Diego State is eleven and two. Come on. And ranked in the national polls. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys are ready for this. The Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii. All right. He got that. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you, you, you got to jump. I mean,
1: you got to yeah. go. Hawaii, Hawaii is that one school that, listen, if they make every money. Year. They, every yeah, year. If they, they go 6-6 six six and six or 11-2. Yeah, and two not, They're two not doing the flight of miles.
0: <laughs> so, who's Hawaii playing, Ben? We'll, mm. let you, we'll let you go for continuation here. Boise? No. Cam? Uh, Utah State? Good guesses. Memphis actually okay. taking on, oh, okay. taking on cool. Hawaii. All right. What about the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl? Ticket Smarter Birmingham UAB. Bowl. I like that. I like where you're going, but no. Uh,
1: take it smart, Birmingham. I mean, Tennessee?
0: Right conference, but how about how about this for a matchup? Auburn. What? In the Birmingham Bowl. Trying to save that money oh, again. Taking on Houston. Houston. Yeah, Ooh, that's that yeah. good for Auburn, though. All right, how about the AutoZone Liberty Bowl? This is normally a pretty good bowl game. Uh Liberty? Arizona State. I
1: don't know why I'm on the Arizona Miss. State
0: one. Ooh. Correct answer, Mississippi State oh, versus we. Texas Tech. Oh, okay. Cam, Cam's close. He's like, now, you, yeah, you, know, you're if you, if you play with That might – You're fouling
1: pitches off. If you play defense in that bowl game, just drink your Gatorade because it's going to be a lot <laughs> of passing. Y'all. All yeah.
0: right. Everybody's favorite, the Cheez-It Bowl. The Cheez-It Bowl. Get a handful of Cheez-Its. Cheez-It. Jesus. Oh. I mean they have like the uh, They have the extra You get the spicy You get the extra oh, yeah, cheesy yeah, Oh yeah
1: yeah what Uh Man
0: Iowa Oh my No Nah Michigan State No You, you should have taken my It's Iowa it State. State Iowa Cam Iowa State against Clemson I'm right. Like, and the uh, You write that I'm, I'm not It's man it. It's 93 Ninety-three it. seventy-five. Alright what about the huh.
1: Dukes Mayo Bowl Oh, UNC versus USC.
0: Oh, he got uh, that yeah, one. He got he knew that one. North Carolina that, versus st- no guessing there. North Carolina versus South Carolina. What about the Chick-fil-A peach bowl? Michigan State and Pitt. Okay. I will be at that game too. All okay. right. Good deal. Yeah. Good. All right. So we have a game. Ben, I'm I'm removing your point five because it's cause you've actually had some success. So it's four to two, Ben over Cam in our bowl game trivia. And I'm gonna do some some bigger bowl games, but we're not gonna make it easy on you guys. How about the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl? That would be UCF versus Florida. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, he, he knew know, that one. You know, he knew no, that one. No, 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 if he
1: wouldn't have said Gasparilla, I wouldn't have got all that other stuff in, in, uh, before that. But the Gasparilla, okay. uh,
0: which, be used to be, which used to be the B4 Brady's Bowl, I think B4 Brady's might have won. out All right, with business. all due respect to the college football playoff, these teams win the bowl season. The Bahamas Bowl. The Bahamas I mean, bowl. Shoot. You get to uh, go to the Bahama, Bahamas the Bowl. Bahamas. I mean... UCLA, no. Bahamas. Whew. This is this is the first bowl game next next Friday. They, they, they already next out there. Next Friday, A week they, from tomorrow. They probably
3: they're probably flying out oh right Lord. now. Next Friday.
0: Um um um. Now I'm just gonna guess. Louisiana Tech. You're again. You're on the right track. Right conference. Middle Tennessee and Toledo. MTSU
1: oh. boys right there. Uh, yes.
0: Murfreesboro.
1: Murfreesboro, right
0: down the road from Nashville. All right. How about the Valero Alamo Bowl? Right now, Ben has six. Cam has two. Um,
1: oh, my goodness.
0: Ohio State? Mm-mm. Close. Okay. Penn State? No, but it's a big-name it's a big name matchup. It's Oregon and Oklahoma. Oh. Cam, Cam, you may not win, my friend, but you are— Oregon has—they
3: play in, like, the Alamo Bowl. Right. Yeah, they play in those games. All
0: right. How about the—right down the road—the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl?
1: That would be a— uh, Texas A&M versus Oh shoot, who they playing? Uh
0: I will say that Texas A&M is correct.
1: Texas A&M is playing
0: Got to study up on your bowl games, people. Oh, is it? Uh team with a better record. Virginia Tech? No, Cam, you want to try to steal one point here? A&M. Texas a and Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Man, I, I did not know. I'm gonna right, give it. It's it's Wake Forest. Wake, Wake Forest? it is. It's Hartman. Yep. Dang, Sam Hartman. Texas a go go Light my it up. Again, All hey, this, listen, this is my favorite bowl game. This might be the best bowl game. The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Oh man. The Tony the Tiger, yes, Sun Bowl.
3: Tony
0: the Tiger Sun Bowl. Arizona State? No. <laughs> uh. Ohio State? Nope. Tony, t- Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl is the U and Washington State. That might be a good one. I, I, you know. Well, I, well, I remember the U used to play U. They used to play uh, University of Washington. They I mean, Washington State. is. All we're big. getting into some of the bigger bowl. How about the Outback Bowl?
3: Oh man. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I try it again. Ohio State? Nope. I'm damn saying. Down. <laughs> I just remember um, Michigan playing the Outback
0: Bowl. Uh thinking Big Ten. Tennessee. Man. No, Cam. You're going to hate it. Penn State and Arkansas. Arkansas.
3: Teen's playing that, man.
0: The Ah. VRBO Citrus Bowl. Uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, Tennessee? No. Citrus Bowl. Citrus. Iowa? Yes! Uh, oh! Here we go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm rooting I it was for him. Big Ten. All right, so, okay, it's 7 to 3. We've got a couple of more left. Who, Iowa, is, who is Iowa they're, playing?
3: They're playing the SEC team. I cannot answer I that. Um, let's go. i <sighs> trying to think
0: what year. Citrus uh, Bowl. Arkansas. No, correct answer, Kentucky. See, I knew they were playing the yeah, a- yeah, 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 SEC Arkansas, right. play, Arkansas playing the But you're within reach here if you can get a couple of sweeps. The All State Sugar Bowl the sugar bowl oh alabama no what he has a chance to this, this is an important huh? point in time in is, the quiz oh this, my god is
3: this even a part of the college football playoffs yes. this is
0: no the, the no the sugar bowl this year is a part of the new Year's 6 oh. it is not a part Hold of the on. college football playoff. um the sugar bowl consists of
3: here we go wait 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 is it oh man it's a big 12 school <laughs> i like the I way can you say that i like the way that. you talk this out I would say
0: Baylor. Okay, on the board, yes.
3: Who's number seven? Oh man. I'm trying to think who's number seven. The Score
0: is seven to four. So if you get this, you're within one question of a potential tie. I'm trying to think. A tie will be riveting. What?
3: I'm
0: trying to think who's number
3: seven. Are you got got five seconds here?
0: No, it is Ole Miss. Oh my god. Baylor taking on Ole Ole Miss. Miss. All right, how about the Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One Venture Ohio X. State in Utah. All right, there it goes. It is seven there to six. That's the one. I think we got one more of these. Let me go back to some of the earlier bowl games. Let me find something. How about the TransPerfect Music City Bowl? Music
1: City Tennessee.
0: Yes, yeah. B- big get for Ben. Yeah. I mean, because either Tennessee yeah. or Vanderbilt are gonna
1: be <laughs> uh versus
0: uh, man. A Coastal Carolina or something? No, Cam. You need this one. Who are they playing? Oh
3: man, Tennessee, Music City Bowl. Um, Wisconsin.
0: Close again, Purdue <laughs> in the Big Ten. Be all,
3: uh, I, I, all
0: right, we have I one more. So, Cam, if you tweet this, we tie. We tie because Ben has eight. You have six. One correct answer from Ben clinches it. The New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Ooh, man. <laughs> you need both. <laughs> I've never heard of this before. Don't they play this at Yankee Stadium? Uh-huh, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Michigan State?
0: No. Cam, you have an opportunity. It's in, it's, you say it's in New York? Buffalo? Yes. Like... You're, is that a guess, or are you asking me, is it in the city yeah. of Buffalo? No, nah, no, nah, it's a guess. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to even cheat like I'm not going to even cheat like I like the way you try. The correct answer is Maryland and Virginia Tech. Wow. All right. Well done, though. You guys yeah, did yeah, a lot yeah. better. Like a that can, was good. I
1: can't know yeah, yes the bowl tie-ins. Yes, you
0: do. That's pretty smart. That was well done, guys. All right, we'll come back with more 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.